Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning to each and every one of you. It's great to have you here on Off the Bench, presented by our good friends at United Dairy Farmers. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Nice to be back with you. Case, how's it going? What's that big league lid you got going there? Uh, the lid I'm wearing, it's... Uh... It's from uh, my stay when I went to my uh, honeymoon. I can't remember off the top of my head where it's at. You can't remember you. where it's Your at? Your wife's going to love that one, Casey. What, what, what does it say? <laughs> Navarre Beach. Navarre Beach. Is it Navarre or Navarre? Navarre. There, it is. There, there is an E at the end of that. Well, I know that, but I'm just making sure. Casey, you're supposed to forget portions of your bachelor party, not your honeymoon. You're supposed I, to remember I, the honeymoon. Forget. Oh, the I remember all the details of the honeymoon. I just don't remember the location. The name of it? The location? I don't remember the location. That one See, bit. Navarre Beach, huh? Well, that's why I, I wear it on my head so then I can just that's, look at yeah, the hat that's, and remember. I can't say I've ever been there, unfortunately, but it sounds it sounds nice. It was nice. Is that in America or where is that at? It, it, <laughs> it was in America. Yeah. Okay. It used to be in America, right? No, it's just right off the coast in I, Florida. It's. I know. Gentlemen, nice how we spot. looking? Looking good. Tom, yeah, you look great. Yeah, it's a big, uh, big league shirt you got going there. Yeah, it's a Chatterbox shirt. It's I like shirt. that. Buy it from the Chatterbox store. Absolutely. Oh, Tom. I like that. Now, that big league hat you got going there. Go Reds, baby. Go Reds. It's got the little C also in red. Tell you what, they just keep making moves. Yes, they do. You know, it's a little bit of a gamble. That most recent one they made, 16 mil to a guy coming back from shoulder surgery. Frankie, baby. It's going to be Frankie Oh, God, season. listen to you. Fred, I mean, are you kidding the me? The Reds, Tom, the Reds oh are all the way gosh, back. Oh, my gosh, you're giving guys nicknames already. They've that's never thrown name. a pitch That's not, a, that's not, his, that's that's not a nickname. That's his name. That's Frank. That's Frank. Big Frank. I, 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 no, he tacked on baby. Frankie baby. We Frankie can call him Frankie baby. baby. <laughs> don't, don't mess with Paul. Don't put baby in a corner. Don't put Frankie baby in a corner. <laughs> hey, that's right, Tom. Hey, Tom, remember last year when, every, when all the Reds fans laughed at the Cubs for signing Cody Bellinger for $17 million and they go out and sign a pitcher for $16 million who – through one inning last year. Yeah. Just you never saying. know, but at least they're trying. That's right. People are going to get upset that the Reds don't spend money. They're going to get upset that they do spend money. There's no happiness. There's no happiness with this fan base. It can all be solved with one World Series, though. Just give me one. After that. I think most people around here, and we can get into this later, I think most people at this point when it comes to the Reds would just like to see a series playoff. Well, get in the playoffs naturally, okay? Right. But a, a series win. They've right. not won I a agree. playoff series since 1995. Can you remember who that was it against? Uh, Dodgers. And can you remember how many it was a best of? It was a best of seven? Three. It was a best of three. Mark Lewis's. The pride of Hamilton, grand Ohio. Grand slam. Pinch hit grand slam. That's right. That's right. They beat the Dodgers two games to none. That, that was the first year, if I'm not mistaken, of the wild card. Correct. So before that, only four teams in the entire major leagues made that's right made Two the postseason before 1995. Yeah, and then they teams. went to three divisions, right? And then um, you know the rest is history. Sure. Expand in '93 when the Rockies came in with the Marlins. I think that's right. Rockies and Marlins came in in '93. And the then '98 Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks and, and, the uh, and the Batlin Devil Race, as they were known. You were part of the expansion draft, Indeed. right? Indeed, loved every minute of it. Loved every single second of it. 
Uh, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey, to 12. Hey. You can join us on YouTube. That's on the Chatterbox Sports page. We broadcast live on X, formerly known as Twitter. That's X. right. And that's at Seabox Sports. If you'd rather join us in podcast form, by all means, please do so. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Much like many of you, I remember this week a year ago. Heading into the final weekend of the NFL season, we knew the Bengals were going to be in the playoffs. But to get a home game, they had to beat the Ravens. Remember on that final Sunday? In fact, I went to that game. One of only two games I went to all of last season. The Ravens were starting a third-string quarterback in that game. And everyone around here was furious about the way the NFL had stuck it to the Bengals. By not playing the game against Buffalo, you know, what would happen in terms of a playoff game, home, road, Baltimore, this and that. Well, as we know, Cincinnati won the game, won the AFC North for a second straight year. Now, coming into this year, expectations were nothing shy of a Super Bowl title. But as we know, that ain't going to happen. The Bengals will play Sunday against rival Cleveland with very little, if anything, to play for. Yes, a winning record, it would be nice. And there are players who will fight for their very survival in the NFL. But outside of that, eh. I mean, 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, as far as a draft pick is concerned. Yeah, a few spots. Cleveland, meanwhile, as we know, is in the postseason already. And to its credit, despite Casey never wanting to give Cleveland credit, it's an amazing year for the Browns. Four quarterbacks over the course of this season. They will play a fifth quarterback in this game. That's right. That's right. Former Bengali. Revenge game. Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll will start. Kickoff at Paycor set for 1 o'clock on Sunday. We'll talk more about this matchup. And a season gone wrong coming up shortly. Meanwhile, this weekend is exactly what the NFL, for what fans, for what gamblers it's what everybody wants. Multiple games, multiple playoff berths are on the line. We start with the wild NFC South, where any one of three teams could win the division. Tampa Bay is the only one where it's win and in as a division champ. For Atlanta and New Orleans, they need a win and some help. Dallas, staying in the NFC, can win the East with a win or a Philadelphia loss. The slumping Eagles, go figure. Now, they can win the division title with a win and a Dallas loss. Meanwhile, Green Bay, of all teams, can you imagine Green Bay, right, controls its own destiny. If the Packers beat the surging Chicago Bears, they're in. Meanwhile, Seattle, Minnesota, can you imagine these are teams that are playing for a playoff berth. They need to win their games and get a lot of help from others. Over in the AFC, winner-take-all showdown for the East title. Miami and Buffalo collide in South Florida. That's a Sunday night game. Now, I was mistaken. I thought Buffalo was in. But you tell me, Reed, that is not necessarily the case. I mean, in the playoffs. Right. If they, if they win, they're the two seed against uh, – they win the division, they're the two seed. If they lose to the Dolphins, 
the Steelers win and the Jaguars win, then they're out. They're out of the postseason then. So they can go anywhere from the two seed to not be playing at all next week, which is insane. It's incredible. That's why the NFL is great. It is. It's amazing to watch. Uh, it may be mediocre. You mentioned Jacksonville, AFC South. Jacksonville, if the Jaguars win, they take the division title. They'll be facing Tennessee. Now, if the Jaguars lose, they need the Steelers to lose tomorrow against Baltimore just to get into the playoffs. Houston and Indianapolis play tomorrow night in the Hoosier State. If Houston wins, the Texans are champions of the AFC South. And I think we all agree. I mean, as this season has gone on, you watch the whole body of work. Maybe we disagree. We can get into it. When the Texans have C.J. Stroud, I think they're the best team in that division. I agree. I disagree. Oh, I knew you would disagree. Yeah. yeah but you're still riding high and mighty on the fighting Trevor Lawrence's. Right, right. I've seen I've seen Trevor Lawrence win a lot of playoff games. I don't know if I've ever seen C.J. Stroud win a playoff game. So You've seen him why. win one playoff game. Well, I mean, also his college career. In so. a game where he threw four interceptions. Well, college careers count too. So I saw some playoff wins from Trevor Lawrence. Okay. If the Colts win this game, and again, they're playing at home, they could win the division if they win that game and Jacksonville loses the following day. Pittsburgh, an outside shot. I think it's like 27%. They need basically they need, a handful of miracles. They need to win, and then they need simply just the Titans to win. If they win and the Titans beat the Jags, then they're in. They'll be tough. They'll be tough. They'll you know? be tough. Not impossible, though. Tennessee has shocked us from time to time this Correct. year. That's right. And uh, look, you know, Jacksonville's no world beater. Uh, one footnote, by the way, on Baltimore. Now, look, to me, here's a team that is doing anything and everything to try and win. While the Bengals went through this season tens of millions of dollars under the salary cap. And you can say, well, the reason they did it is to lay the groundwork for next year and the next year. Fine. I don't understand enough about that whole salary cap stuff. I'll be the first to admit it. What I do know is, is the Bengals are tens of millions of dollars under the salary cap. They had many issues going into the season, which we knew about, some which we didn't know about. And I give them credit. They tried to address some of those, especially on the offensive line. But they let two safeties walk out the door, right? They didn't do anything to improve their pass rush. And you can say they drafted a number one pick out of Clemson. Big deal. At the, at the end of the day, he was a total wash. And I'm not saying that that means he's done Murphy for his career. I'm not saying that in any form or fashion. But here they were, tens of millions of dollars under the salary cap in an unbelievably competitive division where every little edge could be the difference between getting in and not getting in. We know they're out. Yet Baltimore, and you know what? It basically cost them nothing. But they go sign Dalvin Cook, pick him up off waivers yesterday. Now, he hadn't had a good year, but boy, he was a hell of a player in Minnesota. And who knows? I mean, the Ravens are down to their third string running back going into the playoffs and figured, why not take a chance on the former Pro Bowler? That is the Baltimore Ravens. That's the Baltimore Ravens. Every team in the NFL, those that know they're going into the playoffs, they had a chance to take a flyer. And for the Ravens, 
They're shutting everybody down tomorrow anyway against Pittsburgh. Okay, Lamar's not playing. Uh, Beckham's not playing. All these other guys are not playing. But they have two weeks to get Alvin, uh, Dalvin Cook to learn this playbook. Even if he carries four times for 50 yards and maybe it's a touchdown in their first playoff game, it's worth whatever they're spending to get him, and they're trying to win. I'm not going to give the, the Ravens a, a, a buttload of credit here because they walked into this season with no running backs, Tom. In their first preseason game, they didn't have a single running back on their roster. So to sit here like well, say – Well, J.K. Com- Dobbins was the starter. Well, he got hurt, right? No, he got hurt the first regular season okay, game. But at one point in the earlier in the year, they, had, they didn't have a guy. They didn't have a single guy on their depth chart to play running back. And well, yeah, I mean, this uh, we, move, just this said, move. we just said J.K. Dobbins. I mean, then when a guy hurt, played a full hurt. year, he ran for 1,300 yards, whatever it was. I mean, he was their number one lead back. There there was, were, I mean, Casey and I walked through this the other day. Now, Dobbins has been hurt two of his years in the NFL. But when this dude plays, he averages like five and a half yards a carry. I mean, the guy's a freaking stud when he plays. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 this is a move that... I mean, is he a better back going into the year than Mixon? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, really? I think I Mixon's think so. been far better. I think Mixon's... Yeah, I mean, like, if... Especially if, in the past. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know. Well, in the past game, for some reason, I don't, I've never understood... It's one thing I've never understood about Baltimore, why they don't use Dobbins in the passing game. Because Dobbins was a great pass catcher in college. Yeah, Mixon's been far... I, at least, I mean, I can't look it up right now, but I, the, I assume Mixon's been far better... Uh, pass catching wise, than no, oh, without Dobbins. a doubt, way light years better. And, and Mixon still uh, eclipsed a thousand yards each of the past several seasons. He didn't do it this year. Yeah, I'd argue uh, the, the the script of the season didn't allow that. But right, I, I would say I would say Mixon's a far better player. This is this is pretty similar move to uh, what the Bucks did a couple years ago with Leonard Fournette, if you remember. That's right, a big big time name. Maybe not have had a, a good recent success like Dalvin Cook this year. Obviously, he goes to the Jets. Everyone's like, oh, the Jets' offense is going to be great. And he was did nothing for the Jets. And they drop him. And Leonard, Leonard Fournette had a, had a very successful postseason for the Bucks yeah. that year. So maybe he, the same uh, thing will he, he made a nice run at it. I think, I think the move is actually very smart for the Ravens. Because if there was anything left in the tank, like at least you have that chance, that ability to do so. But Gus Edwards this year, I mean, he's averaging like five yards a carry already. Like you didn't need it. It's more more or less to add a little juice. And, you know, this will probably be Dalvin Cook's best offensive line he's had in a very long time. I mean, even going back to his Minnesota days. So, who knows? Maybe maybe he can pop off in the playoffs. I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. I think this is a very smart move for the Ravens. If nothing else, it just talk, it just shows the the desire at all costs to try and go win. That's all it's doing. We talk about this all the time, and we've seen it with the Bengals the last two years in the playoffs. It's one play here. It's a special teams play there. It's a fourth and one there. It's a third and one there. On either side of the ball. That's the difference between winning in the postseason more times than not and losing. So what do you have to lose by bringing in Dalvin Cook? He can catch it. He can run it. He's played behind a terrible team. Terrible team in the Jets. One of the worst offensive lines of all time. One of the worst offenses of all time. And so it doesn't matter who they put back there. They weren't going to be worth a hoot when all was said and done. 
I just think the team's trying to win. Say what we will. Uh, college football, Ohio State has landed apparently its starting quarterback for next season. Kansas State star Will Howard announced he's transferring to Columbus. He's a four-year starter, led K-State to the Big 12 championship two years ago. Many liken him body-wise, arm strength, running ability to a Josh Allen type of player. 6'5", 220 pounds. We'll see. We'll as, see. As an Ohio State fan, what's your immediate reaction to Will Howard? Well, if everything you read is true, and, and half the stuff I read, I don't believe it, but apparently Ohio State, when looking at all of the potential transfer quarterbacks, he was the only one they really wanted to go after. That's it. Really? All the others, they, they weren't, they, they weren't going to get in on the Gabriel kid from, from Oklahoma, is my understanding. He wanted to go to Oregon all along. But we'll see, because one thing Ohio State has not had since Fields left is a quarterback that can run it. And that's when generally that style of offense, an Urban Meyer style of offense, you have a Tebow, JT Barrett, Fields kind of a guy. Now, Stroud, they, he didn't need to run it. He ran it in that college football semifinal game a year ago against Georgia. First time anybody had ever seen him run it when they put up whatever it was, 41, 42 points on, on Georgia. But that's the style they like. So we'll find out. Uh, college Hoops, number nine, Illinois, plays at number one, Purdue, tonight. That's a big game of the Big Ten tomorrow. The Big Blue, the Fighting Cows. Still no reception on that, by the way. <laughs> you can only reach out so many times and keep getting the same response. We got to wait for them to lose a couple games. Then we'll, then we'll capitalize on well, it. I don't know. I can't decide if we need them to lose or win. They just keep winning, though. They go to Gainesville to battle the Gators. UC plays its first Big 12 game. That is a 10 o'clock tip-off Eastern time tomorrow night. Are you buying into BYU, the Fighting Cougars? Yeah, I would say I am a little bit. I Listen, again, uh, by the way, Aziz Benego has been cleared to practice, so he should be back soon. I'd, did he, he get hit by a car? He, what are we doing? Uh, no, he did not get struck by a moving vehicle. That was Simas Lukosius. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, it probably deraveled his season. He had a great game. Bounce back, though, uh, Friday night, last Friday. Anyway, back to this point. BYU probably might steamroll the Bearcats. I think the Bearcats are a decent team. They just haven't looked good. They haven't looked good since they played Xavier. Uh, especially not in the first half against any of these teams. They had one of the worst first halves of maybe all time against Merrimack, put up 27 points against a team that's not good. So, uh, yeah, I listen, I, I, I think UC is going to struggle against BYU, but the good news is there is potential. I, I do think Victor Locken is a damn good player. If he can somehow figure it out, start, start scoring more, we'll win. Easy. Best player scores points, you win. How about that, how about that take? That's a good take. Bulletproof, Tom. Bulletproof I think UC is going to be pretty good. I still do. Now I that they've got Reynolds in the fold and everybody, Why? I think they're going to be pretty doggone good. I, I think, think they're going to they be a be lot good. better than people think they're going to be right now. I think they can be good. But it's going to, it, this, this schedule to start here, the, the, the Big 12, is, is brutal. It is brutal. I can't, I, I can't remember a schedule, uh, in my lifetime at least, that was, this, that was this difficult. Seven teams, five ranked, all in the top 30. All right, Tom, you want, to do a, you want to do a fun experiment? This is the rest of the games for UC through January. Yes. You're just going to give me win or loss, all right? Yep. They're 11, They're 12 and 2 right now. They travel to Utah to take on 12th ranked BYU. Win I say loss. dub. Win, all right. They come home against Texas. 
They come back home against the Texas Longhorns. Yeah, they play Texas at home. That's a dub. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Love they it. go down to Texas to play Baylor. Then that's an L. All right, 2-1. and one. They, they come home and play TCU. I'll be at that one against the Fighting Horn Frogs. That's a dub. 3-1. They're home against 11th-ranked Oklahoma. I think that's a dub. All right. All right. And by the way, at this they point, go, they, they, at this point, they're in the tournament. At, this, at this point, UC's a top five team in the nation. Right. Continue. They go to Fog Allen Fieldhouse. That's an L. Okay. They come home against uh, University of Central Florida. Win. That's yeah. a win. They go to uh, Morgantown. Oh, that's a win. Easy win. They go to Texas Tech. Well, Easy. that's the end of the month. The last game okay. was was. West well, Virginia. So look, you have them. You have them going six and two. I gotta tell you, um, I, 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 there are some teams that I've just always thought um, are frauds in the Big Twelve. I think there's some great teams, and I think it's it's the best conference in college basketball. But I think teams like Texas. I think teams like, um, well, BYU. I mean, who knows? The first time forever that BYU's been any good. Okay, and they're at home tonight, so you know. Okay, fine, but. When I look at Oklahoma, now there was a time when I was a kid when Oklahoma had Billy Tubbs as a head coach and Wayman Tisdale and all these guys running around. They were going to the Final Four, played in a national championship game against Kansas one year. So, I mean, they've had their fair share of good teams, but so has Cincinnati. I just don't know about some of those teams on uh, uh, when they come into to UC. I don't know. I mean – who is Texas? Anything really? Uh, you get all excited about Texas? They're twentieth in the country. They all made right, they're twentieth, so that means they really could be out of the top twenty, just depending on one or two they votes. Can be they went. They, they went they to the. Texas. They went to the Elite Eight last year. I'm not talking about last year. I'm talking about this year. Okay. Well, all right. So they're they're hanging on the fringe now. Now now conversely, you look at TCU. Now TCU's only lost I think two games this year, but they haven't played anybody, right? I mean, they lost to Clemson. Clemson's ranked 16th, whatever they are, okay? But when you watch TCU, and I'll watch them from time to time, now they're a team, like to me, like Texas. They're a team, uh, you know, Oklahoma's much higher ranked. But they're a team that, that on any given night, they can look fantastic. You know, you watch the Longhorns on, you know, a Tuesday night in December, and you're going, whoa, it's a big league team. Then all of a sudden you're watching them against somebody else and you're going, is that the same team I just watched? And TCU's that way. I think now Baylor, I think, is a step above that. And they've proven that. They're, they're kind of that they're national champs two years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just think you see now with Reynolds there is a very different team than they were at the start of the year. He hadn't been around long enough yet to kind of get in a groove. Uh, with the team and his teammates. I think we all agree if you've watched UC basketball this year, sooner or later, Wes Miller's going to have to get this thing to about a nine-man rotation. He's playing too many guys. And they've got some really good players that aren't playing enough, especially in the backcourt. Right. James and Thomas rarely play together. They're the two best players on the team. Now, Skilling will have his games, right? Locken will have his games. Reynolds will have his game. They'll have some guys that, that, that step up. And, you know, uh, the one kid is actually a pretty good player, Newman. They'll step up and they'll do some things on any given night. But you got to whittle that thing down a little bit and get it to nine guys used to playing together. And, and here we go and let's see what we got. Right. I don't know. You, you have them at eight and, 18 and four. I do. The of, at the end of the month. Roll it. I have them at 14 and, 14 and eight. 
I say they go two and six over the next eight games. Okay. All right, that's fair. I totally get it. I could see how they could do it or not do it. I got it. What Sean says, yes, Baylor won it. It was three years ago. Okay. When they uh when they're down ten to Evansville and Evansville has guys shooting one handed free throws, it's tough. <laughs> that's a tough, tough look. look. That's a tough look, it's a tough for, look. for the Bearcats. It, it's a tough look. Losing. But they won that game, unlike the Muskies against Delaware and Oakland. So how about they won. that take? I didn't say it. I he said it. I didn't say it. He said it. But one-handed free throws is a tough look. It's a tough look. Um, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop, your good friend, has said it's official Tom has finally drank the Kool-Aid. Have you drank the Kool-Aid? I have. I'm buying in on uh, – but, but Mouse Cop follows up, and he's accurate. Wes Miller has won only one quad one game at Clifton. But somehow they will get four this month, Tom? Come on now. I make I make no mistake. Wes Miller has this year and next year, and then that's it. If he if he can't doesn't show improvement. If he if again I don't think I don't think UC is going to beat all those ranked teams. They could certainly, uh, but I don't think it's going to go that way. If Wes Miller does not show anything this year, they finish with a. I mean, I guess it's hard to finish with a losing record at this point when you play Stetson and Merrimack every other game, but. Uh, if, if you don't make the tournament this year and don't make the tournament next year, it's, it's time to cut ties. You can only give a guy so many years. Let me just ask you one question for food of thought, and we can get into this for another day. If it played out that way, would you give remote consideration of bringing Huggy back? No. I think, I think, I think unfortunately, Huggy has uh, had his time in the sun. I think he just needs to go off and, and retire. Sit on a beach. Um, and and drink whatever you want out there. But Huggy yeah, versus <laughs> Huggy versus Sean Miller in the. What what happens if Mick Cronin gets fired? Because he might get fired. Mick Cronin, I don't think he'd get. Well, he might. They're get under five hundred. I would. I didn't want Mick Cronin gone. I, I didn't, didn't either. I don't. I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of UC basketball fans that didn't want him gone. I think there was a disagreement with the guy upstairs, and, and, and unfortunately, he had to leave the program. But I would have kept. I would have kept Mick. Can I make a point here? People in the chat are talking. A couple guys have said college basketball is the worst sport ever. This is coming from a guy who, who talks very badly about college football. I love college basketball. That being said, every once in a while, you'll sit down and you'll watch it with a guy who doesn't like college basketball, and they objectively funny things happen in college basketball games. They're, they're bricking wide open threes. Yep. They're traveling left and right. It's a sloppy, sloppy game at times. Oh, it's terrible. I, <laughs> it, it's, but it's the most fun to gamble on. If you're a gambler uh, like myself, you're going to sit down on a Saturday, watch an entire slate of college basketball on a Saturday in February because, one, it's the only thing on, and, two, because it's funny. You're gonna get. You're gonna, you're gonna see gonna, some. You're gonna see some bull junk. It's the worst officiating you'll ever it's see. It's so funny. The pace of play is bad. But listen, it's fun. They play halves for no reason. It's uh. You're right about gambling. It is. It is a heart attack, gambling on a college basketball game because you can bet an underdog, and they are nine point underdogs, and they could be winning for thirty minutes of the game. Oh yeah. And then you can lose the bet because in the final 10 minutes, they give up 20-plus points, and you just, I mean, you're just sitting there like, what the hell? Yeah. By the way, Sean Connor, a real person, asks, is this the year Matt Painter can get Boiler up to a Final Four? Absolutely not. God, I hope not. Absolutely Perdons. not. Oh, One I disagree. C, they're going down to a 16 again. No. They get better guard play this year. I was amazed. Back, back when I was announcing the UC games, Hugs had an assistant named John Lawyer 
who was just one of my favorite guys in the world. We were both young and the single and the whole nine yards used to hang out a lot together. And um, um, we were traveling with a team. Man knew basketball inside and out. He wound up going to the NBA for a long, long time. In fact, he still is in the NBA as a scout. But he was a head coach uh, in Detroit. He was an assistant coach, a number of other stops along right. the way. His son is a player now at Purdue. Yeah. That guy's a player. I think Purdue's good. Well, when they lose, it's because he doesn't play well. Because you, you know what you're getting out of Zach Eady. So Fletcher Lawyer's – I don't like Fletcher Lawyer. I, I, as, oh, as, my I, God. I mean, I, this is the same guy. You know, he doesn't like guys like Lawyer. He doesn't like guys like – who's our homeboy? Tom. It's nothing uh, – well, Who's Kunkel. our homeboy from Adam last Kunkel. year was Zadie? Adam Kunkel. Adam Kunkel. Adam Kunkel. Tom, I mean, you send your are, son. What do you have against you the, the white gamer? You know, who wants to go out there and just get after people and lay it all on the line. Which, by the way, lawyer is a far superior player than Adam Kunkel ever was already. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Duh. But Tom, you send you you <laughs> give money to the University of Indiana. You are a Hoosier through and through. I am how not can, a Hoosier through and through. I'm not. I send give, money there because our son goes there. How can I you, am definitely not a Hoosier through. You talk about a team that stinks. They stink. Well, I sat the other night with my son and watched that game at Nebraska. For Indiana basketball to go to Nebraska and get their brains beat in. Well, basketball, Nebraska is a big football, uh, basketball school. So well, it is. Everyone it is. That. They got a good coach. They got a big-time coach, Hoiberg, there. The guy used to be in the NBA. The they, point is, way, is as a Hoosier now, Tom, you can't give any any credit to anyone from Purdue. Indiana, you can't give Fletcher Lawyer, Indiana, Zach Eady, none of it. Yeah, Indiana's projected one win in the month of January. They're going to win tomorrow. One win. You got tomorrow, Tom. Your Buckeyes or your Hoosiers? Who do I root for when they play? Yeah. I root for the Buckeyes. Oh. I mean, are you, can they play this weekend. They play tomorrow. I know. Big-time games. Luke was talking about going back early. It, you know what? I'm going to take that back. If Luke is all in on them, then I got to be in <laughs> okay. on it. So I would root for Indiana. Okay. Uh, let's get to football. We have, we have all winter. Boy, won't these next three months be something to talk about college basketball? <laughs> I mean, half be- the people in our chat are going to hang themselves. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We'll make that the chat question of the day. <laughs> What's that? Do you what like we... college basketball? What do you want to talk about? College and basketball's anything. not bad, guys. Come on. It's getting the problem bad. with college basketball, and it's why, and I love the sport of basketball. I think it's such, well, let me correct myself. I love the college bat game. I, I love the game of basketball played by certain teams. I, I don't like the state of basketball as a whole. If you watch a basketball game, pro or college, and you turn it on for 10 possessions each side, okay, you're going to see, so it's a 20 total possessions, unless you're watching Purdue, where they'll dump it into ED regularly, right? Unless you're watching them, outside of them and some others, You're going to see in those 20 possessions, you're going to see 12 to 14 three-point shots. And a good three-point shooter shoots 35 to 38%. So three of the 14 or four are going to go in. The rest of it's clank, 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 clank. 
It's all they do. Jack up threes. Pro game, it's unbelievable, the pro games. With the people that can take the ball to the basket, the, 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 the beauty, the power, the grace, the speed, the athleticism. And you got 6'9 and 6'10 guys. And I don't mean Jokic. I'm not talking about the best of the best of the best. I'm talking about some stiff from the Knicks or some stiff from the Blazers. 6'9, 6'10, jacking up threes from 27 feet. It's tired. Tom, has it's anal- tired. Has analytics. <laughs> you know I'm right. It's tired. Has analytics affected basketball more than baseball? Because the reason they shoot threes is because the math makes sense. If you're gonna if you hit 35 to 40% of threes and you hit 45% of your field goals from mid-range twos, then just shoot threes because you're going to score more points. Well, I, it, yes, obviously. So that's that's the reason of, of it. And I, I have this take, and I would, I'm going to say it to you because I feel like you're going to disagree with it. Has there been anybody more influential to the way that basketball is played? Not to the sport, not to all the things that surround the sport, but specifically how the game is played than Steph Curry. You're right. But the thing is, is you have to be able, this is in one of those situations where we, you, you talk about it all the time. Don't compare yourself to other people. Play with what you've been given to be best at. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter that has ever played basketball. At any right. level. Right. He's the greatest shooter of all time. Right. So just because Curry can make 4.2 out of every 10 threes he shoots doesn't mean some dude from um, fill in the blank takes 10 threes and can make more than two, if even two. But they just keep jacking them up. It goes all the way down to youth sports. I mean, oh, you, there's no doubt. You, I mean, you coached your son. Yeah. Did were threes ever shot at the sixth grade level? Well, there was shot, but I mean, you look at them and you'd be like, okay, right? Like, right you like, were six, open. Six, we six, were ahead by twelve. Okay. Sit on down. Like you might see two shots a game. Two, oh three, no! Oh, oh. It, it started to creep. Where it's you no, know, you're right. You're spot on. Everybody I, thinks there's Steph Curry. When I played, not a single oh, three yeah, pointer. The yeah. the entire thirty two minutes that you played, not a single three pointer was shot in fifth grade basketball. I went and watched my cousin. Last week, I mean, there was there was ten to fifteen three pointers shot, Hug, ugly, ugly shots, but they shot them because that's the way the game is played now because of Steph Curry. I, I I really don't think that there's a more influential athlete in any sport as to how the game is played than Steph Curry the, ever. Like I I really don't know. I can't think of a baseball player that that has influenced no. the game. I don't know how you would do that. I don't like maybe. I don't know, from the 80s and 90s, Dan Marino in football because they used to just sling it around with Dan Marino. Like, maybe he changed the game. I don't know. I really don't know if there's ever been an influ- as influential as an athlete to a sport as Steph Curry. I agree. I mean, but, but again, he's a different cat. Not That's everybody true. could be Dan Marino. To, to, That's to, right. Your, your analysis. That's right. You know, I mean, it just can't be. All right. Uh, we have all winner to talk about that. College basketball is winning the poll, by the way. It is. People want to talk about college basketball, Tom. So it looks like we're doing Cal and Bearcats. Well, that's for, that's for later. That's for later. <laughs> Cal! The Muskies? Uh, well, I don't, I think I don't know about the Muskies. They, they, they got some issues. <laughs> Man, do they got some issues. They'll finish, in the, they'll finish higher in the net than you see. There is. Week. I mean, you know, and it was, it was a big story today, but I mean, everybody's watching it. It was a big story today in the paper. Somebody finally got around to covering <clears> this part. Hi. 
And maybe they'll get better at it. But, but teams that don't rebound are teams that don't want to rebound. Just like teams that, that, that give up tons of points are teams that don't care about playing defense. Rebounding and defense are about pure effort and desire. Not everybody can shoot. Not everybody can score. Everybody can box out and everybody can guard or try to guard. But Xavier's rebounding this Bef- year. We'll get into that down well, before, but we got all winter to talk about. We do. Before we get to the Bengals, real quick, I, I wanted to play the game that Reed just did with you. I'm going to do it with Xavier now. They play so, a tougher schedule than you see this month. That's absolutely untrue, but let's go ahead Let's let's go ahead and read them anyway. Uh, Wednesday, January 10th, they take on UConn at home, number four team in the country. <laughs> that's a win. Who that's, you got? That's a major L. <laughs> we went undefeated against them last year, Tom. Yeah, well, okay. Saturday the 13th, they take on number 23-ranked Providence. That's a win. That's Where's that game? Where's that game? Providence. Oh, I, I'm still going to think. I, must a okay. Miller will have him ready to go. Uh, Butler comes to town. That's a win. That's a good team, though. Butler's, but, Butler's a good team. The fighting Chad Modest. That's right. And then, and then the Hoyas. No, Chad Modest. Chad? Chad Modest. Okay. <laughs> yes. The Hoyas come to town after that. What's that? The Hoyas. George, oh, right. Georgetown. Win. Ed Cooley's got that team shipped, shipped and ready to roll. Yeah, yeah. The, they travel to Creighton. That's a tough game. That's an L. And then UConn on the road. See you. Bye bye. Oh, and then St. John's too, which is also an L. But Rick yeah, but Patino. they already lost to St. John's. Rick Patino yeah. coming yeah. on. Yeah, Patino rolling in. Slick Rick. Maybe we'll get him on. I would love Slick Rick on. Yeah, have you ever met Rick Patino? I met him one time. He um, big league operator. Yes. Big league operator. Did he big league you? Uh, he big leagued everybody. <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but great coach. No denying that. Okay. Uh, and it won't be long before St. John's is really good again. Because he will recruit. He's a New York guy. Uh, they are going to be a powerhouse within the next five years. Will they you be can mark it down. Patino and Harbaugh are going to have something in, in, in common. They're both Patino and have, who? Patino and Harbaugh are going to have something in common. Both going to have a title stripped. <laughs> Patino, Patino, will they be playing their games at Madison Square again? In a couple of years? No. They won't get that? They no, they're going to keep it, keep it, keep it quaint. Card a second. They'll, they'll go over there for a few <laughs> once they really get it rolling. All right. Yeah, they'll get it going. All right, let's get to football. This is a huge weekend. I want to ask you guys, maybe this isn't the right way of asking it, or those of you, the thousands in the chat. Um, if Does it really matter to you at the end of the day if the Bengals win this game? And I, well, the reason I hesitate is because if you're a fan of a team, of course it matters every game if you win it. But, I mean, really does it matter? Does it, or is there something that you want to see the last game of the year? I mean, if we're separating ourselves from being uh, fans and being more analysts of the game, I mean, the better thing to have happen is a better draft spot. Um, maybe if you're looking at job security, you want – Zach Taylor to win so he doesn't go 0-6 in the division. That would be uh, catastrophic, especially on the resume there. Um, For me, I hope that they win just because I'm I'm a fan. I'm not a bandwagon fan. I want them to win. I don't think there's a big difference between the 16th spot, the 18th spot, the 12th, 14th. You're going to get the second or third best player in whatever position you pick at that point. So, 
I'm all about them winning. And my hope is that we just see some of the guys that are on the depth chart that we don't really – we didn't see like Osai all season. I want a lot of snaps from Osai. I want a lot of snaps from Miles Murphy, Zach Carter, um, more snaps for Dax Hill, DJ Turner, Jordan Battle. Like get the young guys in there. Andre, downtown Charlie Brown. I want to see all those guys playing. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Let me interrupt for a second. Okay, because as you started walking through that list, yep, and I'm being very serious about this now. Yep. I'm going to ask you this question: yep. We have had 17 weeks of football. Yes. What can you really? What can you really put into in terms of evaluation in one game this weekend, as it pertains to, let's just say, one name you ripped off, Joseph Asai? I mean. Does it really matter to you if he plays five snaps or plays 50 snaps? Are you going to learn anything? Are we going to learn anything about Joseph Asai or downtown Charlie Brown Jones? <laughs> well, I do think, like, their performance. What are you laughing at? That nickname is the best. <laughs> do you think they call him that down at Paycorn? I know they don't. You don't think they call him DT downtown? No. We almost had him on the show, Tom. <laughs> well, we almost did, and he blew us off. Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, they're kept busy. changing when he's available. Eight o'clock at night, or four in the afternoon, or you know, whenever. You know, he was on, scared. On, he was running on to the, the first Tuesday of Purdue each guys. month and the last Thursday of every month. Tom, he was Purdue running guys. east to west really quickly. That's okay. right. We, we, he was running away from this show east to west. We That's should have right. been tipped right. off from the time. beginning. He runs to the sideline. He runs east to west so quickly, he changes time zones back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there is my question. What are you really going to learn? About Joseph Asai, if he plays every defensive snap in this game. Well, I mean, they're playing against the backup, so I expect him to play well against backup competition, right? Like, if he doesn't go out there and have a lot of pressures or if he just kind of stinks it up, then it's like, okay, well, maybe it's time to move on. I think some of the guys you cut a little more slack, but it just gives you more of a, a viewer evaluation, right? Because we don't get to see those guys in practice, so we have no idea what why they're not playing on the field as much, right? Right. We have no idea why Miles Murphy didn't get half the snaps this year. We have no idea why um, Zach Carter didn't get more snaps this year. So I want to see them out there just for my sake so then I can see for myself, like, hey, this is the backup competition, and, you know, they're okay. not doing anything. Okay. You see, I – I don't there, – there's nothing that I'm – you're right, Tom. There's nothing you're going to learn yeah. from this game based on how these guys play. I do want to see them get more reps because I want them to have more reps in the NFL. That's fair. That's why. Like, I, I don't need to see anything, but if these guys are a part of the future, I want them to get as many reps before playing big-time games again. And, and when I look at this game, it might sound vain. It might be a dumb reason. But for, for some reason, I just want to have the, the Bengals have a winning record. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I just want when I look back at the 2023 season and I think about all of the aspirations. Can this team win a Super Bowl? What's going to happen? And I look at them and they say, "This is according to some statistics, the Bengals played one of the hardest schedules in NFL history." Yep. And they did so with a quarterback with a healthy quarterback one third of the time. Yep. And to say back, they still went nine and eight. They still won at least one game in their division. Those are things that I want. They're vain. There's no reason. It doesn't help the team at all. 
But when I look back at this year, it does just give a little bit of light. And that's what I, that's what I like about this game. Is at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they lose, really. Like, it feels like there's nothing, but there's, there's only to gain from this game. If they lose by 40, who cares? I don't care. I don't give a rat's behind if they lose by 40 in this game. But if they turn around and they win by 40, that'll feel great. That's a great way to, to go into the season. So I really do feel like there's only positives to gain from this game. And I, and I just want to, I want to see some, some rookies, some younger guys get reps. Not for, for my own sake to see what they have, but just so they get more live reps. Yeah, it, for, it, these games don't matter to me. I, I mean, this is essentially a, a, the Pop-Tart Bowl, for all I care. It's a state I, championship. It's a state championship, uh, which we wouldn't have won anyway because they already beat us. So I don't know. It would be a split. It would be a split of the Ohio Cup. I, listen, when I, when, I, when I look at this game, I want Jake Browning to play well. I, I think he's earned a good game. I, I want him to end the season on a high note. This will most likely be the last game he starts in the NFL. So go out, go out with a bang, Jake Browning. You, you, you've, you've earned it. Uh, around, around the roster, again, you're not really going to see much because the Browns are playing nobody. So this is the Bengals are essentially playing a collegiate team here. You, you, you can't really see uh, what you have in this particular matchup. But use them, uh, Drew said it in the chat. Use him like you would. Like you, if Yoshi, if you want Yoshi to see if he can be a number two, use him like you'd use T. Higgins. I don't think Yoshi would ever replace T. Higgins in any world no, ever. No. But if you use him like him, maybe he will. Maybe let's see. Let's see Chase Brown take the reins from Joe Mixon. Chase Brown, I want him running twenty times in the game. Spread spread the rock around. See what we have out there, uh, and, and let's have some fun. This is a fun game. Brad Robbins, let Brad Robbins air out a couple kicks. See if you can get a Let him air out. Have they been holding him back? <laughs> they, they, they've, they've been telling him, tone it down a little bit. <laughs> I think they have. We don't, want you, we don't want the rest of the league to know what we have in you, Brad. <laughs> we only want you kicking 33 yards in the air. That's what we want from, from you, Brad Robbins. But no, this game doesn't mean anything, unfortunately. It's, uh, it's a lost season. But as we were talking about yesterday, and Reed had a tweet that went viral. Shout out, Reed. Um, it's the, one of the hardest schedules yep. in franchise history. In, well, in it's one of the hardest history. in NFL history. Right, in NFL history. Yeah. So when you look back and you say, all right, well, we lost half our roster almost at one point or throughout the course of the season, you can't, you can't really be upset with a winning season this year. I know 0-6 in the division sucks. Terrible. One, it would be 1-5 uh, if, if you're able to beat the, the college Cleveland Browns. But, I, I, again, this, it, it, these, th these seasons happen in the, in the NFL. They never happen to the Patriots because they played in the world's worst division. Right, the Bengals play in the toughest division in the sport. Yep, these things are going to happen. I, I, I don't take, I, I don't take it for a grain of salt. I, I the Bengals are going to be fine. They're going to bounce back next year, and, and we'll be okay. But win the game, win the game for fun. This is the last time that we might see guys like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins in a Bengals uniform. Even a guy like Joe Mixon might not be back. There's a lot of people that were major components to the recent success of the Cincinnati Bengals. That this might be their last time playing. It's their senior day, Tom. Well, that offensive side of the ball, I mean, you just ripped off the names. I mean, you stop and think about it, right? Boyd, the longest by far. At one time, he was the number two, number one receiver on right. his team. Right. Went to number two, and now has slipped down to number three. It has really been, if you stop and look at it, you know, and these are the kinds of things when you start to go back and you look at a season. And we can get into the whole quarterback thing, and we know all about that, and we have all winter really to talk about that and going through you know, their decisions in free agency and what they're going to do in the draft and 
who they're going to keep around. Are they going to tag Higgins and trade him? Are they going to try and sign him and keep him and try to make that whole thing work, knowing that Chase's contract would theoretically come up the following year? He's not going anywhere. You could tag him two or three years in a row if you wanted to. But you understand what I'm saying here. But when you look at Boyd, and let's start with him, because I think of all of the guys on the team on offense that you could say the likelihood is of the highest among the entire group, that he is not back next season. Right. It would be Tyler Boyd. This year, this guy is averaging like 38 receiving yards a game. He's had one 100-yard game, and everything else is in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the entire year. Now, what do you think about that? He had some drops early. He had a huge drop, as we know, against Houston. But is that because Boyd is, is not the same player he used to be? We all agree on that. He's not what he was five years ago. But is Boyd not better than 30 or 40 receiving yards on average per game? Okay, then you get to T. Higgins. Now, Higgins had a couple of big games without Chase playing. Right, right. But Higgins has been hurt all year long, by and large whether it's a hamstring, an ankle. Uh, he had the broken rib early in the year. Uh, and to his credit, more times than not, he's tried to play through it, did play through it even the last game. He wasn't on the field, couple big plays in the game, but got back out there against Kansas City and, you know, did whatever he could. But when you look at Higgins' season, I mean, here's a guy averaging, what, about 60 yards a game receiving on average, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Okay? So that means you have, and, and this gets ultimately – to a question that we're going to have to answer, not necessarily today. But if you were to just take the stats like Casey did a few weeks ago and compared, I think you compared Justin Fields' numbers to Trevor Lawrence's numbers, or somebody like Daniel that. Daniel Jones to Trevor Daniel Lawrence. Daniel Jones to Trevor Lawrence. If you were to give the names ahead of time, and then you put up numbers, right. you'd say, oh, okay, I, I, sure, I'd take Trevor Lawrence over Daniel Jones. Well... Then when you go back and look at some of the numbers, you might be a little surprised. But if you have T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd on your team with virtually no tight end contribution whatsoever, basically, for the entire three quarters of the year anyway, okay? But no go-to guy. I mean, I'm not talking about the Kelseys of the world. I'm talking about you don't even have a Hayden Hurst guy. Okay, at least strictly numbers speaking and contributing this year. If you've got Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins and the two of them are combining to average maybe 100 yards a game, does that make you wonder whether we should be spending a lot of money on wide receivers? You are spending huge money this year on T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Those two guys are eating up a lot of money. They make big money. I guarantee you in the grand scheme of things, without even looking, that as far as number two and number three receivers are concerned, that Higgins is making more than 90% of the number two receivers in the league, and Boyd is certainly making more than 90 to 95% more than number three receivers in the league. So does that change your line of thinking at all when you're going into this offseason, knowing what you got out of Higgins and Boyd this year? And I don't mean just them. 
I'm saying your number two and your number three receivers, and this is what they've given you. Take away the name. Take away the name and the career of Boyd. Take away the name and the short career of Higgins. Does it change your line of thinking about spending big money on wide receivers besides Jamar Chase because you're going to sign him? It certainly changed the your line of thinking when it comes to these guys, right? Like, because Tyler Boyd's getting $10 million this year. We all know that Tyler Boyd isn't worth $10 million. Right. And at, at this point in his career, he's getting 30. He plays a position where speed is so important, and when guys get over the 30 age, they slow down. They're not as uh, not as productive. T. Higgins is more than likely going to get like $25 million a year in the open market. In the, yep. And the Bengals simply can't do this. Now, I have this take about running backs, that they're a dime a dozen. Just get a new one in the draft every three years. And I don't want to. I don't want this to sound like this take that I'm about to say, because it, they're not the same. But there is more and more wide receiving talent coming out of the draft every single year. Look around the NFL, almost across the board, and almost every team you can think of has two very good receivers. And that is because last year, the year before that, the year before that. We talked about the NFL draft. This is a great wide receiver draft. There's so much talent at the wide receiver position in this draft. And look at this upcoming draft. The same thing holds true, right? More guys are playing wide receiver. You're getting more athletes at the wide receiver position. Now, there's still elite of elites, and they're worth the dime. They're, they're, they're worth the, the Jamar Chases, the Tyreek Hills, the Justin Jeffersons. They're worth $30 million. Jamar Chase can wake up and get 100 yards receiving. You can put two guys on him. He's going to get 100 yards receiving because he's that good. But when you get to the second level, when you get to the third level, how can you justify paying a third guy $10 million when you could go and get a guy in the second round, a rookie in the second, third round, and they're probably pretty productive? I don't know. Once again, I'm not, I'm not saying that they're a dime a dozen. I know it sounds like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just insinuating that more and more wide receiver talent is coming out of the draft every single year. More young kids are playing wide receiver at a young age. That used to not be the case. 30 years ago, the best athletes on the team played running back and quarterback. Now more and more young kids are playing wide receivers, and they're getting more reps at that position. Then they go to, the, then they go to college, and they just get better. So there's more talent coming out. So, yeah, it's, it's becoming harder to pay wide receivers big money knowing that the draft is going to produce more more talent. Just in this draft alone, and I don't know how people feel about PFF, but PFF, they have a top top 100 draft board. 23 of the players in the top 100 in the draft this year are wide receivers. 23 of them are the top 100 players going into the draft this year. They can find a guy to replace both guys probably. In all honesty. Most people think that what the Bengals are going to do, because they're not going to have to pay Chase huge money next year. He'll still be working off the rookie contract. Yep. Um, Higgins technically is still working off the rookie contract. Um, but next year, you got to pay the piper. Most people feel like they let Boyd walk. They sign Higgins, tag him. Right. Tag him, not sign him to a long-term deal. They franchise tag him. Now, how he reacts to that, is a whole separate matter. It's going to be one of those guys that sits out training camp because you tagged him and didn't give him a long-term deal. I don't know. I doubt it. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but most people feel like you give it one more go 
with Higgins and Chase, you pay him whatever it is. You got to pay him on a tag, 20, 21, 22 million. Um, and you still have control under Chase. And you give him one more year together and see what happens. Yeah, the thing about tagging is, is you can play him, but like, if you are you gonna get more value if you tag a guy? You got to pay him twenty million dollars because it's what the top five contracts, top ten contracts, averaged out, and that's what you give a franchise tag. Are you gonna get more value out of one year of T. Higgins for twenty million dollars, or can you tag him and trade him for a second round pick and and get another wide receiver? Like, where where do you get more value? Because if, if, you, if you tag him after that year, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to get more money on the open market than he can get in Cincinnati. That is absolutely true. So where do you get the most value out of? I, well, you have three options. You have three. Well, you, right. You, three. you can extend them straight yeah, up. You could extend them straight up. That'd be number one, and you're in, you're in right, with right. him. And right. you're going to be in with Chase. And you're going to be in with Burrow. You know, this year I think that, uh, you know, I mean, look, in the grand scheme of things, because of Higgins' contract – uh, and Boyd making what he's making, $10 million. They're not chewing up a lot of your cap space right now. That takes a whole different animal next year. Right. When Burroughs' contract jumps up, when Higgins would jump up, uh, and whatever else you're going to do with some of these other guys hanging around. But we're just talking about – you're going to have to find a right tackle. We haven't even gotten to that yet. Right. Okay, so – but as it pertains to this whole thing, you know, those are your three options. I mean, look, for me, you guys tell me if you agree or see. If – if I can sign and trade Higgins, long-term deal, sign and trade him, but if, under your scenario, if all I get back is a second-round pick, there ain't no way I'm making that deal. No way. No way. For T. Higgins, I'd rather sign him to a one-year franchise deal and take my chances of getting the T. Higgins of two years ago and the year before and, and, and have a chance to win right now. That's fair. That's I, I don't think – and, again, part of the reason you pay these guys top dollars is because they have chemistry, right? You're, you're paying for the talent they have on the field, but you're also paying with the chemistry they have with their quarterback. T. Higgins has undeniable chemistry with Joe Burrow. In, in four seasons, he's eclipsed over 900 yards three times. Tyler Boyd uh, – Tyler Boyd's been great for the Bengals. I'm not saying he hasn't. But in Tyler Boyd in eight seasons has eclipsed 900 yards twice. Higgins has done it three times in his four years. So I, I, I think Higgins is going to be harder to replace. You can replace Boyd. And I mean, no disrespect. I, and people will look at that Texans game and they'll say it's all his fault. That was by far his best game of the season. Without Tyler Boyd in that game, you don't have a chance. Yep. Uh, so I'll defend, T. Higgins, or I'll defend Tyler Boyd just a little bit right there. Because if, if Tyler Boyd makes that one catch. Well, yeah, if you go back in any number of plays, if Zach Taylor doesn't throw the ball 15 yards on fourth and inches, uh, anything can happen. Right. So the, the, the point of the matter is it, it, not everything's Tyler Boyd's fault. Saying that, you can replace Tyler Boyd. I don't know if you can replace T. Higgins. I don't know if that is is as easy to replace. Yeah, it's very hard. So to answer your question, would I trade? Would I sign and trade him for a second-round pick? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I'd try, I'd try to sign him. I'd try to pray that he accepts a little bit less money because I, I, I do think having him with Jamar Chase is an elite tandem. And Reed, Reed's been knocking on this drum forever. Joe Burrow's the reason the Bengals are the Bengals right now. He is, he is, the, he is, he is the franchise. You have to have him have the weapons that he wants, that he is connecting with on a regular basis to be successful. And I do, I do think there is something. to I, Couldn't you go out and get a first-round draft pick and nail it? Sure. They, the Bengals are great with drafting wide receivers. You can do it. But 
you can't. It, it's going to be harder to replace a guy who gets almost a thousand yards every time he plays. It's it's not like I don't want it to sound like when we when we say that T Higgins, we don't know if we can we can re-sign T Higgins or we're going to tag him and trade him. It's not about wanting T Higgins here or not wanting T Higgins here. I don't want it to make it sound like Bengals fans that say that they they want a franchise tag and trade him don't want T Higgins here. It's just when you pay a guy the amount of money that you pay Joe Burrow in a salary cap league, you have to make decisions, yep. hard decisions. The Kansas City Chiefs did this when they decided to keep Travis Kelsey over Tyreek Hill. You've got to make decisions on where to allocate funds, on where to allocate money. And when I look at T. Higgins, out of, out of all the big money guys on the roster, he seems the most expendable to me. He seems the most expendable out of guys that can See, make- I'm surprised to hear you say that because of all the big money guys on the roster, and I'm going to take Burrow He would be the, the third mix. highest paid guy on the roster. Well, he won't make more than Burrow. Right. But I'm, I'm saying if you, outside of Burrow and Burrow and Chase, you don't have to worry about it. You don't put him in that category yet because even next year, he's not going to be a big money guy. Right. So of all the big money guys they have on the team, Higgins is by far the second most productive player on the team. By far. I mean, you got Burrow, number one. But outside of that, of all the big money guys on the team, Orlando Brown Jr., I mean, how'd his first year go? Trey Hendrickson makes $15 million. He's more okay. productive. Well, I was going to say, the only other guy you could say is a big money guy right. that delivers the goods is Hendrickson. So, okay, let's just flip a coin. If you want to say Hendrickson or Higgins. But the bottom line is, one of those two is number two, and the other one's number three, as far as your most your best players on the team that are making big money. Right, like like Orlando Brown's making like $16 million a year. Trey Hendrickson's making like $15 million a year. If we extend T. Higgins, he's going to want $25 million. Well, he ain't going to get 25. On the open market, he will. With the salary cap going up, with salary cap, that's the other part of this whole thing. Salary cap going up, right? maybe you can't afford to keep him at 20 for the long haul. Maybe you can. If you can get get T. Higgins at 18 million or 19 million, no brainer. That's a no brainer, Tom. But I'm, I, I think he can get, he knows he can get $25 million if he goes to the open market. That's why the, the take about T. Higgins all along has been when he other teams will pay him more than we can pay him. That's just a simple – that's just the facts. If he can come here on a discount, love it. Yes, no-brainer. Sign me up, T. Higgins, four-year deal. Four-year, $60 million. Four-year, $65 million. Love it. Absolutely no-brainer. Absolutely sign it. But he can't. So that's, that's the whole point. Like, I don't – Want it to seem like people that say we got a franchise tag and trade T. Higgins. I don't want you guys to think that they're saying we don't want T. Higgins. We don't think T. Higgins is a good player. We think T. Higgins is a phenomenal player. He's one of he's one of our favorite players on the team. Yep. But in a salary cap league, when you pay one guy fifty five million, which is what Joe Burrow deserves, you you, you have to make these tough decisions. Yeah. You and have here, to make these tough decisions. Your options are extend him. Sign or tag, trade him, and get a second-round pick. And if you let him walk, the third option is just letting him walk. Right. If you let him walk... You get nothing. Well, you're probably going to get a third-round compensatory pick. But that's only if you don't also sign a guy 
similar in stature to, to that contract as well. Yeah, but you're never so, going to let a commodity like – to begin with, they don't, they, they don't have to do anything with him this year. T? They don't have to – he can't walk unless the Bengals outright release him. That's not going to happen. He's still playing under the, what would be the fifth year. No, T's not a first rounder, so he's gone this year. Oh, okay. All right. I beg your pardon. I always think he was a first round pick. Um, They're they're not. There's no way on God's earth the Bengals are letting him walk. That's not happening because that is a, I mean, that's like having a huge value stock and you just all of a sudden give it away to somebody. Right. That's not happening. For a third round pick, no. Second round pick, wouldn't do that either. I don't know. Franchise, one-year deal, figure it out. I don't know. I think you And you, you might trust the a... Bengals on a second-round pick the next go-round? Well, the that, And knowing what their needs are, you're going to go out and try to find that starting right tackle? Of course, they could have gotten that guy this year in Dewan Jones, but no. No, don't want to get near him. Well, Tom, I— Your I, guy, Dewan Jones. Yeah, that is my guy. I, I don't necessarily trust them with, with it, but— T. Higgins was also a second-round pick. It's not like – like Reed said, there, there's so much depth in receiver this year. Like, they could probably afford to wait until the second round to replace T because, you know, they kind of got lucky in that regard. Like, T should have never been there in the second round when we got him. He was probably more like a first-rounder. Yep. They got lucky. You're, replace, you're basically getting back the value that you spent on that second-round pick if you tag and trade them, and you might get lucky again. It's really about getting lucky. You have to really bank on the guys, Andre and Charlie, to replace Boyd. And then, in my opinion, what I'm starting to come around the idea of is they got to just be all in on, 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 on Chase and just – right. That's got to be the vocal point, the center point, which it's been the center point of this offense for a while. But you look at, like, the Justin Jeffersons, the Tyreek Hills, they're getting way more targets, way more receptions, deeper yardage. At some point, your draft pick's got to hit, right? Correct. So So that's where we're at with the Cincinnati Bengals. We can can continue to do this, but teams that are consistently successful in the NFL have three things. Good coach, good quarterback, and hit on the draft. If you do those three things, you can't you can't mess up a team. You really can't mess up a team. You're gonna you're gonna be successful for the long haul, and that's where the Bengals are, right? They they got the quarterback. That's the mo- that's the most important thing in the NFL. Now, can they consistently hit on draft picks? Well, that's what they're gonna have to do because they are you know shortchanged in the in the salary cap because they gave their quarterback so much money. That's where they're at. And for as for Jamar Chase and and as we talk about the weapons that. Joe Burrow has and the Bengals have. Yesterday we talked about Trey Hendrickson and his defensive player of the year candidacy, and I made the point that Trey Hendrickson's a phenomenal player. His stats are all there, but he doesn't keep offensive coordinators up at night. Not the same way that T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett do. Yep. Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt make the rest of their team better because they attract so much attention. Jamar Chase does that on the offense. When you, when you play the Cincinnati Bengals – you have to have a plan for Jamar Chase. He is, you circle him all week. We've got to limit Jamar Chase. We're not going to let Jamar Chase beat us. So in allocating resources into stopping Jamar Chase, you open up other people. So as long as we got Jamar Chase on this offense, in, in theory, in theory, some guys are going to have bigger, are going to be more open. 
and you, you, then you don't have to expend so much money and put so many resources towards second and third targets. Do I think the Bengals can go out? And, and, and we talked about draft and stuff like that. Draft is four months from now. But the top two things that the, I think the Bengals should get in the draft are a weapon for Joe Burrow and a right tackle. Those are the most important needs. So, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Have you watched them play defense this year? Well, here's the thing, Tom. <laughs> I thing. mean, the second to last defense in the National Football League and, and, our, and our top two priorities as a team are going to be weapons for Joe Burrow right. and a right tackle. So the Bengals are kind of, it looks like they're operating almost on like a five-year plan. It, 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 it's it, if you look at what they do, it is very methodical in how they are building this roster. They know that they're going, they're, they're putting all of their early picks in the past few drafts, past two drafts, towards the defense, because they realize we're going to get these guys reps. Because in a couple of years we're going to have to do something about the Tyler Boyd and T Higgins situation, so we're going to put early picks towards the offense again. And I think it's taught like at some point you got to ride with your draft picks because you only you're shorthanded in the salary cap. So if they've spent a first-round draft pick on a, on a D-end, then he's got to play And Miles Murphy. He's got to play. Even though they've extended Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, Miles Murphy's got to play more snaps. Dax Hill has to play more. DJ Turner, Jordan Battle, name all these guys that they've drafted and have spit capital towards the defense. Like it or not, those guys are just going to have to perform because that's, that's what you do when you're at this point but with the Bengals roster. But isn't that what they did this year? I mean, really, isn't that exactly what they did this year? The it, only guy they didn't replace, in theory, they let Hayden Hurst walk out the door. Right. And they spent a gazillion dollars on the left tackle. Right. They still had Higgins. They still had Chase. They still had Boyd. They brought back Mixon. They draft Chase Brown. They draft downtown Charlie Brown-Jones. They draft Yoshi uh, late in, in, in the draft. Yep. Okay. They had all of those things, let two safeties walk out the door and said, we're playing, we're going on the cheap with Nick Scott and we're playing Dax Hill. We're playing Cam Taylor Britt. That's what we're doing. And this year, the reason, the primary reason the Bengals are eight and eight going into the final game of the year is because their defense stinks. And last two years, is the reason they were so good. Yeah, they put up some decent games offensively with Burrow slinging around. No denying that. But their defense won them a ton of games. They went with rolling the dice on the young guys this year on defense. Terrible. And I'm not saying each one of those players is terrible. I'm not saying right. that. But, I mean, now all of a sudden, you know, it's interesting how you get to the end of the year. And now all of a sudden you start hearing things or there are some comments made that make you start going, oh, wait a minute. So, like, you know, we were talking about this safety thing going back to when Bell and Bates walked out the door. Darkest day. Well, now all of a sudden, there, there, there are whispers, if you believe some of these stories that are written, that they're not so sure about Dax Hill. He's, 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 I mean, they're not so sure. And then kind of tying in with that is when you've got Cam Taylor Britt coming out the last game after the Kansas City game and going, man, we got communication issues all over the field. Now, most of the time, it's either the linebacker who gets everybody into place where they need to be, a Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt. The Bengals have relied heavily 
in a Lou Anarumo defense on the safeties being those guys. And when you had Bell and Bates back there, man, look, that doesn't mean they were going to be great every play, but they were going to be where they were supposed to be. Right. We're 16 weeks into an NFL season, and you've got starting cornerbacks coming out after the game and saying, man, we got communication issues around here. So what does all that mean? I don't know what it means. And back to your thing that made me think about the Jamar chasing. Teams have to account for him. Right. All right. Well, let's go to the most recent game against Kansas City. Now, the Bengals had a, a nicked up Higgins who re-aggravated his hamstring early. They had Tyler Boyd perfectly healthy, right? They had Mixon and Chase perfectly healthy. Chase had, what, four catches? 40 yards? Yeah, not a lot. Right? Not a lot. Okay. So, I mean, I keep going back and forth on this whole thing. I don't know what the answer is. I could see both sides of it. I mean, in theory, if you have two number ones in Higgins and Boyd, it certainly presents a greater challenge for the defense. There's no question about that. Having said all that, you know, when you take away a healthy Higgins and you're telling me that downtown Charlie Brown Jones or uh, Yoshi or somebody else and now fall another level, that both of those guys theoretically could be in your starting lineup at wide receiver next year, along with Chase, is the play caller going to get the ball enough to the other guys? Because we played this entire year, granted Higgins nicked up, but we played this entire year with two of these threats, legitimate, successful, excellent, sometimes great star players in Higgins and Boyd. And the two of them combined to average right around 100, if not less than 100 total receiving yards per game. I don't know. Let's take a break. Uh, we're late getting to the break today. Casey, okay. you're looking good in that lid. Navarre Beach, Florida, a place you'll never forget. No, I will never forget. The place where I had my honeymoon at. And this last hour and a half or so that we've talked about the Bengals has been brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with the suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. Great work, guys. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let me tell you about Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, and some say the best tasting water in the world. Visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, technology solutions from Encore, and drink lots of Pawnee Water. Um, one other thing that we're not really discussing, um, and before, actually, before I do that, we did have a super chat did from, we? from, from yep. Drew and he said, Tom, Michigan absolutely dominated the big bad bully of the SEC. And I know you enjoyed it. Glad you're back old champ. And we'll let him know what you said, Drew. 
um, when you come back, when he comes back. So I'll put that away for now. But uh, one other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about too, which we, we talk about the draft a lot. There is a free agent pool, right? And this year, if you're looking to replace that receiver spot without it being T Higgins, who's probably going to be the top receiver in the market. There's guys like Gabe Davis. There's guys like Curtis Samuel, Noah Brown, Marquise Brown. Like they're not as good as T Higgins, but they can definitely be your serviceable number two. Like you don't need two number one receivers to have a functional over the top offense. And we, we know that like that that's very possible. We've done it without T Higgins. We've done it without Jamar chase. So yeah, that, that's an option too. And uh, just be on the lookout for different free agents, I guess for the Bengals, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like whenever I talk about this T Higgins thing, I feel like I'm a, like a financial planner. Like you go sit down with a, with a financial guy and you're, you're budgeting your, your year, and you're just going, hey, I know you went on a vacation last year, but I hate to tell you the bad news. You just can't go on a vacation next year. That's what it feels like when I tell you, like, I don't know if we can afford T. Higgins. Like, right. I just don't know if we can. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I like, I don't know either. Like, we're, we're not experts here. They kind of surprised us with, uh, um, with the Orlando Brown signing. Like, we never expected that to ever happen. So, never say never on any possibility. I mean – Hell, Mike Evans is out there. Maybe they take a swing at that. I mean, he's probably not demanding top dollar, but who knows? He's old. Maybe he is. He's old. What, what it, I wonder what a Tyler Boyd contract looks like next year because he's getting ten million this year. He's not going to get. Like, is he going to get ten million going forward? Like, is he worth that? He's going to be thirty, and and I have a strange suspicion that he's going to go to Pittsburgh, considering he played there. He's from Pittsburgh. Like, I said, strange. If they want him. What? If they want him. Right. Like, I have a strange suspicion that he's just going to wind up as a Steeler next year, which will break my little heart, but is what it is. It's just the what you do here in the NFL. But, Tom, you before you went to break, you were talking about the, the secondary. And I don't know if this completely excuses the secondary. In fact, it doesn't. I know it doesn't. But if I was going to give them an excuse, like this, this secondary, outside of a Wouzier, this was their first time ever playing. All, of the, all three of the, the positions, right? Like Cam Taylor Britt played like five games last year, six games. Dax Hill played sparingly last year. Yep. Jordan Battle, DJ Turner, both rookies. So, like, can you say that some of the problems that the secondary had this year were just growing pains? That, that, it, that excuses some of the play, not all of it, but that certainly does explain some of the bad play this year. Well, there, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you have to get and, – and, and we, we live in a, in a world where people don't want to have any patience with players. Right. I mean, they really don't. College, pro, we, we just don't want to have it. I mean, I, I found it fascinating, and, and this is drifting off, because I said all along about this whole Jose Barrero thing that Trace got into. Yeah. I mean, if you just go by track record – and we're not going to get into the whole Barrero thing today – but what he's doing now in the winter league, and he's still such a very young man, and you have to look at the back of a bubblegum card. What has he done? This guy has hit and hit and hit and hit in the minor leagues. Right, right. Now, he hadn't done it in the big leagues. Okay, and you say, well, he got his chance. You know what? He got 60 games right. at shortstop two years ago when he right. was 21, right? Right. So, I mean – you got to have a little patience with guys. There's no doubt about that. And when you look at just as far as just talent, 
speed, all those kinds of things. I mean, there's a lot to like about Cam Taylor Britt and Turner and Hill and all of it. There's a lot to like. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, you know, are, do you think that, you know, they're ready to make that next big jump year two in essence? It's year three on paper, but two in essence. Right. Right? Okay. Maybe they do. But if you're looking at the biggest needs for a team, and especially after the injury to Reader, I mean, all of us kind of wondered, are they going to sign him to a long-term contract? Right. He's a free agent at the end of the year, right? They redid Hendrickson's deal, and now he's tied for the league lead, which, by the way, it would be a chance for the first time ever in the history of the Bengals franchise for a Cincinnati Bengal to lead the league in sacks. He has a chance to do it this weekend. He's had a great year. Fantastic. Great year. Um, but, man, I mean, you just look at this team for next year. And you say, okay, well, you know, where do you want to spend the money? Where do you want to put the draft capital? All those kinds of things. It just seems to me like, you know, the defense has got to be a priority. It's just got – you got four of the linemen locked up. Where now, whether where you're at? high on Volson or not, you know, I know he's gotten better as the year has gone on. But, again, there's another example. Everybody wanted to run this guy in the ground. Early in the year, he has steadily gotten better. Now, he wasn't great last game or the game before that. But he, he has shown improvement this year. Right? Kaplan Karras, sure. a little bit older. You know, obviously, Brown's here forever. And, 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 and I don't think anybody believes. Although, maybe a year right tackle. Jonas says, okay, I don't know how many people want me for left tackle. I don't know. Maybe they do what they do. Who knows? But because they don't have anybody right now that can back him up. So take his place tomorrow on the current roster. Right. Yeah, that's that's where I said like the Bengals' biggest needs are a weapon for Joe because two weapons are maybe leaving right tackle and then a defensive presence on the interior line. Those are the big big biggest three needs. Tom, you said that the Bengals need to address their defense. How do they do that? Because when I look at their defense. They've already seemingly got it kind of locked up. As for, 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 like it seems like they, they just got to roll the dice on what they have, in all honesty, because they got both their defensive ends and Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson locked up long-term. They drafted Miles Murphy, so that's a third piece on, on the pass rush. Their, their linebackers are both locked up. All of their guys in their secondary are on their rookie deals. Uh, other than a Wouzier, other than another cornerback to, yep. to help, which it seems like DJ Turner is going to take a Wouzier spot. You're right that the Bengals' defense, if they want to have any success next year, has to be better. That's undeniable. But when you look at it, it's not an easy problem to fix because it seems like all the guys that they, that they have part of their plans are already there. So how do they make it better? Well, Steve Ross points out, he says the Bengals are going to have at least $60 million in cap space next year. How all that plays out and what you're able to do or not able to do in free agency, decisions you're going to have to make. Because look, all you can do is judge it by one year at a time. The signings of Pratt and Wilson were not good signs. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Right. A lot of money. $15 million, I think, locked up in both of them combined. And again, I'm not going to get impatient because Wilson and Pratt have played very, very well to, to varying degrees uh, in their NFL careers. 
They've given this, this franchise a lot of great moments. There's no debate about that. But if you just want to judge decisions made this time roughly last year, and all of you laughed at me over and over when I asked the question, are the Bengals better than they were a year ago? Everybody laughed, want to make fun of it in the chat. Casey, you being the ringleader of all that. And here we are. Here we are. I kept saying they're not better. I kept saying they're not better. And here we are a year later. Yeah. And they're going to be watching games starting next week rather than playing games next week. You're right. Here's the thing, Tom. I don't want to hurt my shoulder patting myself on the back on that one because (laughs) I want to see them in the playoffs. People sitting around, you know, you know, Brunnemans or Ravens. I could care less about the Ravens. I don't care about the Ravens. The only dude on the Ravens I root for has been hurt all year long. The rest of them, you can have them all. Dobbins. I'll say on behalf of the chat Gamer. that us teasing you on that on that take was was wrong. We were wrong, Tom. No, you weren't wrong because everybody was asking the question. And, and no, Everett's sitting here saying Tom knew Burrow would be hurt. Of course I didn't know Burrow would be hurt. But would I be out of line thinking he might get hurt? When's the last time he played in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in training camp? <laughs> the next time will be the first time. Right. Right. So, I mean, believe me, I, Burrow's unbelievable. I, mean, I love Burrow. I mean, you know, so stop. But I'm just saying they they I'm gonna be really interested to see what they do because I think they have some smart people down there. I think by and large they've made and you're right, Casey, about the Orlando Brown thing last year. That came out of nowhere. That wasn't even remotely a rumor on the radar. Right. So the Bengals are the kind of franchise where they keep everything close to the best, kind of like the old Walt Jockety days when he ran the Reds. You weren't going to open the paper and read about rumors coming out of or a source inside the Reds organ. That stuff doesn't happen with the Bengals. Didn't happen with Brown. It won't happen the next go-round with whatever it is they do. And with as much money as theoretically they could have under the cap for next year, they might go out and make some enormous splash or two. What's, what's funny about all the moves that the Bengals did last year is like all of the replacements that they had, other than the safeties. Safeties were, were not better. But like... Tanner Hudson, if you look statistically, had pretty much the exact same year as Hayden Hurst, and that's only playing half the year. Like, yards, touchdowns, receptions, almost the exact same as Hayden Hurst. I think Chase Brown to, to Samaje Pirine, was there a whole lot of difference there? Honestly, I know Samaje played a lot more. I know Chase Brown didn't come on until the second half of the year, but... The last four weeks, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not... I'm, I'm not beat up about letting Samaje Pirine walk out the door. Where, where else did the Bengals... I mean, it was safety, right? It was two safeties was tied safety. in and a running back. Obviously, they missed on both safeties. But the reason that the Bengals were not better this year wasn't because of the guys they brought in versus the guys that they left. The reason that they weren't better this year is because the guys that played on the field didn't play as well as they did last year. And there's a lot of guys, Joe Burrow, that didn't get to play the entire That's season. the biggest one, by right. far. By far. So it's just, it's just the guys that were in the house last year that are still in the house just didn't, didn't compete. Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, major step back. Awuzie wasn't the same cornerback that we saw in previous years. Yep. Sam Hubbard, though he started out red hot, whatever. The offensive line pretty much was the exact same, I'd say. Was middle, mediocre. 
wide receivers, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd took a, took a down step. So it was the guys that were here last year that were back that didn't play as well. It wasn't so much the moves that they made to address their team. Okay, uh, Colton in here says the safeties weren't a miss. I, I don't know how anybody can think that. Um, Jordan Battle's the highest graded rookie safety. I understand all that. That's fine. I mean, I watch the games. They can tell me all about the numbers and the stats and all the rest of that stuff. Right. Half the time I see him chasing guys around. Tom, when you look back at the season, obviously it's not a uh, success, but is it a failure? Is this When you look back at this season – in five years, will this be a failed season? I think it's hard to say. It's, I mean, that's a good question, and because I want to ask myself that question, but I think because of just Burrow, it's hard to really say it is. When you combine the schedule along with one of the top three, I mean, where would Kansas City be without Mahomes? Yep. Okay, where would, pick anybody, where would Dallas be without Dak, right? Right. I mean, where would... Just go on and on and on and on and on. So it, it, it's probably – where would the Bills be without Josh Allen? Okay. So it, 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 it wouldn't be fair to say that this season has been a failure because the best player on your team was either not healthy or he was just gone, period. Most of the time when he did play, he was hurt. Now, you could get into that whole debate on whether he should have been playing early in the year – and we've already had that debate. And, and we're never going to know the answer, so why debate it even more? But the bottom line is, they were right in the playoff hunt with Burrow getting healthy and playing well. That night in Baltimore, they were on the win streak, had the hiccup against the Texans, but they were playing well. He goes down, got a little lightning in a bottle there from Browning, who did everything he could to play as well as he could. You come up short. I mean, if they win tomorrow, they're going to get, you know, there's going to be a team in the playoffs that had one more win than they had. As a guy who, who or, roots, or less. As a guy who roots for the Bengals, there's a, there's a scenario in the AFC playoffs where ten and, a team that's 10 and 7 doesn't make the postseason. Right. Like if the Bills, the Bills lose and don't make the postseason, they'll be 10 and 7 and are, and are out. Would that make you feel, would, would that make you feel better? Knowing, because that was the, the kind of the, the goal that we targeted when the Bengals got back in the playoff chase. It's like, let's get to 10 and 7. They get to 10 and 7, got a good shot at making it. Because that personally, like, knowing that even if we did everything that we, that we wanted to do, which was get to 10 and 7 with Jake Browning, that it wouldn't have been enough. For some reason, that gives me, quote unquote, solace. Okay. And, and there you go. I, to, to answer my own question, I think it's a failure from only this perspective. If, if, and this, this especially comes true if you lose on Sunday. If you don't win a divisional game in a season, oh, yeah. it's a failed season. Yeah, that's fair. It's a failed season. It's and, a great and, point. and I can look at the – I know the schedule is impossible. I know we play in the world's toughest division. I know we lost our quarterback. We lost our both, both our top wide receivers. We lost half our defense. I get all of that. If you can't come out of this season with a divisional win, it's a failed season. Despite everything, despite having a winning record, despite despite whatever happens the rest of the way, if you can't beat the Browns on Sunday, it is a lost season. 0-6 in the division is still unacceptable, no matter how tough it is. Yep. It's always tough sledding, but eventually you got to win a game. And you have to win one against the Browns, Steelers. And the Steelers, look, I think the Steelers are a decent team. But let's not pretend that that team can win a Super Bowl. Well, nobody's under any illusions that Mason Rudolph will be, when you close your eyes at night, they can picture Mason Rudolph hoisting up the Lombardi Trophy. 
The, well, the bottom line is he's two and zero. That's true. The Steelers, the Steelers again. I, I credit them. They they still can get to the postseason, but the Bengals not coming away with a win against them is is not great. Derby Stardom says I actually think Zach Taylor's gone if we lose to the Browns in no division games. There no, is they don't. zero chance of that. All right, we got other games to get to. Correct. All right, uh, Casey, are we ready to go? We're yep. ready. All right, ready? then look, look. This is this is must see TV. As the, as the NFL is every single week, not every single game, but every single week, there is must-see television. And that's why tomorrow, as much as it may, you know, you may not like it, if you want to make Sunday viewing that much more exciting, you got to root for the Steelers tomorrow. Because it makes Sunday... Far right. more fascinating. Right. Right? Yeah. With the Bills, the Bills not knowing if well, they're the going to get the Bills, the Jaguars, right. I mean, all right on down a lot. It, it, may, it heightens the importance of virtually every other game in the AFC of playoff contenders. Not the Bengals or the Browns game. But, I mean, you got to root for them tomorrow. Where are we starting? Let's start now, We're going to spend a little time well, on each of these games. Well, real quick, Tom, the chat really wants you to talk about the Cotton Bowl. All right, you know what? Look, I'll talk <laughs> about the Cotton Bowl. I, I, because, um, because, you know, again, it's kind of like you ask, was it, a, was it a disappointing season for the Bengals? Okay? Yeah. So, Ohio State lost to Missouri 14-3, to one of the most boring football games you've ever seen in your life. Had, had um, Kyle McCord played in that game, Ohio State would have won that game by two touchdowns because Missouri is really not very good. They, they really aren't. I mean, for a team that was the second best out of the mighty SEC, uh, the team that was the second best in their half of the division only to Georgia, they, they're really not very good. I mean, they play hard and they got a good running game, but they're not very good. Ohio State was starting their number two starting quarterback who not played all year long. First quarter, he gets hurt. And unbelievably, they were ahead when he got hurt, three to nothing. They bring in a kid who's a freshman, a true freshman, who's not played all year long, and it looked like it. Now, so within a two-game time frame, you go from being 11-0, ranked number one or two in the country, to losing two straight games. Michigan, your quarterback transfers. You have all these guys that stick around to play in the bowl game, except for Marvin Harrison Jr. Everybody else stayed. And the defense played like a bunch of guys stayed. They gave up 14 points. And seven of them were after a pick. So, the thing that bothers me, and, and, and look, I don't know if this is sour grapes. I don't know if any of you saw the, the, the story about the Hensman kid, the center. It's been the starter all year long. He's been considered the wink, weak link on the offensive line. Okay, but he started every game for Ohio State all year long at center. Well, apparently he was on a podcast leading up to the Cotton Bowl game, which has since been taken down, where he talked about the number of practices, legitimate practices, that Ohio State had under Ryan Day in getting ready for this Cotton Bowl. And according to Hensman, and there are three sides to every story. As Harry Carey used to say all the time, your side, my side, and the truth. Now, he says they only had six or seven legit practices leading up to this Cotton Bowl game, 
where they had 15 legit practices going into last year's college football playoff against Georgia. Now, you can say there's a lot more on the line between the two. There's no doubt about that. But half the numbers of legit practices, no. And when you had a bunch of guys who could go to the NFL and declare for the draft, decide to come and play for the game, the Denzel Burks and the Tua Moaloas and the Jack Sawyers. I mean, Sawyer had, what, four and a half sacks in the game? When those guys all come back and play to try to, you know, end the year on a good note, and you're not practicing like you did the year before for your bowl game, a little bit troubling. Again, I don't know if this is true or not. He went on to talk about the difference between playing for Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. Now, look, you can like Urban Meyer. You can hate Urban Meyer. And like most of society, the first thing all those morons out there do is talk about some video that Urban was in uh, against the girl in the bar when he was still coaching the Jaguars. And if that's how you want to think of Urban Meyer, God bless you, knock yourself out. I hope that that is one of the highlights of your day. He also kicked that kicker. And, and kicked the who deserved to get kicked. <laughs> but here's the point I'm making, okay? There are only so many Urban Meyers, Nick Sabins, there are only so many of those guys out there. And they separate themselves from the pack. And they do it year after year after year after year. Saving six or seven titles, urban three titles, two different schools, whole nine yards. Okay? But there is a difference between playing for Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. The physical and mental challenge and demand to excellence. And if this story is true about Ohio State not going all in for this bowl game, and I've been one of Ryan Day's biggest defenders, ever since that kid was on that podcast, he did not play a snap in that game at center for Ohio State. They made two changes on the offensive line for that game, and it looked like it. Now, is that to get ready for next year and see what you got? Kind of like what we're talking about tomorrow for the Bengals? I don't know. But I do know that this season ended in ugly fashion. Nothing ugly about getting beat by Michigan. Michigan's got a great team. You played them at their place. You lost by a touchdown. Were it not for a pick, you're right there. Nothing embarrassing about losing to Michigan. You don't like it, but it's not embarrassing. It's embarrassing losing to Missouri. It's embarrassing, especially the way they play. Your thoughts on Kyle McCord not playing? Because I saw you throw that tweet out saying that Kyle McCord uh, might have quit on his team. I don't remember you talking a whole I lot about I didn't say quit on his team. What I said was I just find it. I just find the state of college athletics to be in it. And look, Nick Saban has come out and said this. Kirk Ferentz has come out and said this. These are guys that have been around the block. And again, if you want to be one of these young, cynical people, oh, like the old guy, get off my lawn. Well, the old guys have a little experience. The old guys have been around the block. The old guys have seen what works and what doesn't work. We are in the wild, wild west of college football. And a lot of people all of a sudden are starting to say, you know what, we don't like it very much. Did you see the story about the guy at, at, at Mississippi? The running back? This cat runs for 1,700 yards this year. They're ranked in the top 10 all year long. They got everybody coming back next year. 
And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he's in the transfer portal. Now, why do you think that is? You think it's all of a sudden he didn't like the offense at, at, at Mississippi? You think it's all because he, all of a sudden he doesn't like Lane Kiffin anymore, who gave him the ball 250 times this year? Anybody believe that? Of course you don't believe it. Nobody has a problem with the players getting paid. But where we are going on this stuff is out of control. And what I said about McCord was, McCord could have left after the bowl game. He could have left. The kid from Kansas State, he, 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 he decided not to play in that last bowl game. He decided he was going to transfer. Same thing for him, who's now coming to Ohio State. I understand it's the way things are in college. It doesn't mean it's better. Doesn't mean it's better. And from my understanding and sources at Ohio State, is that Kyle McCord and his father came to Ryan Day and they said, this was after the regular season, and I felt terrible for McCord getting bombarded just like C.J. Stroud did last year, losing to Michigan. He got massacred from an out-of-control fan base. And make no mistake, Ohio State's fan base is out of control. Out of control. They killed Stroud last year. They killed McCord losing to Michigan this year. This is a 20-year-old kid. I got all the sympathy in the world for these college kids. I don't care if they're getting paid or not. To be getting killed, I know what it's like to get killed as a 55-year-old. As a, as a it sucks. I can't imagine what it's like to get killed as a 20-year-old. If any of you have sons or daughters that are 20 or 21, Think for a second about them getting massacred on social media from coast to coast by their own fans. Okay? It's not good. And it's not a good look. And Ohio State fans who have done that should be ashamed of themselves. They really should. They ought to quit rooting for Ohio State. Ohio State doesn't need those people. But here's the deal. My understanding is that the dad, and that's a problem in and of itself that we can get into for another time. The dad and the kid walk in the door. They say, Coach, we started every game this year. We lost one time. I threw 27 touchdowns. I only turned it over six times. And all six interceptions were in two – or five of the six were in two games against Wisconsin and Michigan. Can you promise me I'm the starting quarterback here next year? Ryan Day says, look, what I can promise you is you are going to compete for the starting job. We are going to explore the transfer portal. We have arguably the best high school quarterback in the country coming in next year in Aaron Nolan. We have Devin Brown, who you barely beat out to start this year to be the starting quarterback. So, no, I am not going to guarantee you the starting quarterback job for next year. Thank you very much. Coach, catch you on the flip side. We're out the door. We're transferring to Syracuse. So, all I said in the tweet was... If that's true, and look, there are a lot of Ohio State people who cover this team regularly. If this is true, do you even want him back as your quarterback next year? Even if he came in and won the job? Yeah, probably not. Right? It's a legitimate question, and it's not beating up the kid. Should, is it okay for coaches to leave prior to bowl games? I, I, I've always said about that. That's another thing that needs to get fixed, too. Because, like, And look no further than what we had here with Brian Kelly. 
right. Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle Luke coached Fickle. Wisconsin in their bowl game. That's exactly right. The same right. season in which he left. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's a joke. It is a joke. It's and, and and people got on me about you know about about asking the same question you asked about coaches. Well, that should change too. If you want to go get a coach and you say to all of the people out there, and if they want to do it in some backroom deal, I don't care. Right. You know, right? Right. That's right. If Brian Kelly, if Notre Dame wants him, and Brian Kelly, you know, says to his agent or says to another guy, says to another guy, okay, listen, after this bowl game, I'm good for the next five years at whatever it is, 50 million bucks, uh, and I'm coming to Notre Dame. But I'm not walking out the door on these kids. If there's some kind of rule there where you have to coach the, the bowl game, and then it can be a free-for-all and a right. free agent market of coaches, just like it is in baseball players, right? Right. So be it. All right. So be it. We had a $20 super chat from Michael Rolf. Hey. Thanks, Michael. Big shout-out to Trace the Zebra, yeah. Tom, and Reed for being so friendly. We met at the Bengals versus Steelers game a few weeks back after your show. I enjoyed helping breaking down tables in the monsoon weather. Michael, I forgot that you helped – Helped out with that. Thank you so much. That was a stressful day, and you made it a little less stressful. I am only going to barely read into the fact that I got named last. I know I'm your least favorite. I still love you, though, Michael. All right, let's get into I, these picks. And I'll, I'll read into it. I wasn't named either, but oh, well. Oh, Casey. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. I mean, Everett, I got to tell you, you are one of my favorites in this chat. But, man, I, I got to tell you, I mean uh – -oh. You are really, really, really judgmental about a lot of people and who they are. I mean, you really are. You know, do you honestly believe Brian Kelly doesn't care about the kids that he could? Do you really believe that? Do you believe he doesn't care about the kids that he coaches? I mean, come on. It's like being a teacher, or a high school coach, or a college coach. These guys live and die with these kids. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're the guys that are having to go in and recruit them when they're in high school and talk to their mom and dad about getting them degrees. All the Notre Dame kids got their degrees when Brian Kelly was there. You think he doesn't care about the kids? Come on, Everett. Come on. You're better than that. You're better than that. All right, we got our picks, Tom. Let's rock in to the NFC. Oh, my God. And now talking about leaving a kid who died up in a camera booth. That's where we are on this show. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I'm really, really sorry. I mean, are you serious? Do you think that Brian Kelly wants to leave some kid up there knowing that all of a sudden something's going to happen and the kid's going to... Go ahead. Go to the picks. Go. I don't even, I, I, I'm sick to my stomach. Right, get the camera off me and get it on somebody else. This is ridiculous. We're bringing up kids dying on this show and blaming it on a coach? I can't do this crap. I can't do it. I cannot do it. This is ridiculous. Go ahead. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers... Go to Carolina. Um, they are four-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll start it off. This is a game that uh, Baker Mayfield needs to win, and they're going to do just that. I think uh, I think the Bucs are going to win this one. I will take the Bucs, and I will probably put everything I have on it. 
There's no chance the Buccaneers lose this game. Zero. Casey? Uh, I'm also going to be taking the Tampa Bay Bucks. Casey, you take the reins in the yeah, graphics. Yeah, I got it. I got it. And uh, mainly because I think Baker Mayfield, um, maybe you guys are right. Maybe he's going to win himself a, a starting spot in Tampa Bay. So this is the game to do it, right? I am taking the fight in Baker Mayfield as well. He's playing good football. Fair enough. And none of those teams are any good. No. no. But how injured is he? I saw something on X yesterday where it said this was all the activity he did at practice two days ago, and that was walking around the sideline of the field. He's going to play. He's a, well, I know he's going to play. He's, he's a gamer. A, he's, yeah, he's a gamer. He's okay. a gamer. All right. Okay. We'll take that. All right. What's next? And by the way, if the Bucks win, they're in. They're the division champs. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jaguars at Titans. Jags are favored by three and a half points. All right. Case, what do you, we'll start with you this time. You know, I have said that the Jags are pretty much frauds all season long. Um, but the Titans, I said at the very beginning of the year, are the most irrelevant team probably this entire season. I feel like they had nothing to play for. They didn't have any good talent there. They were just pretty much relying on an aging Derrick Henry. That being said, I think Titans get it done. And I think that they bounce the Jaguars out of the playoffs because the Jags are more than frauds. They're just terrible in general. Whoa. Terrible. Especially without... Terrible is a big word. Especially without uh, Christian Kirk. If they don't have Christian Kirk, there's no way they're winning this ballgame. Okay. I'm going to take the Titans, too, I think. I think the Titans are pretty really? good. Well, really? Well, I, I think... I, well, Will you're... Levis isn't going to play, right? He only threw six passes. Is he going to play? No, it's Tannehill. It should be Tannehill. Tannehill. I think it's Tannehill. But saying that, I think the Jaguars are as, are as much... They're not even fraudulent. They're just bad. I don't think it's a very good team. Listen, Christian Kirk's injured. I know it doesn't help him. CJ beat hard. God, God bless his soul. He's trying his best over there. I, I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is that good. I, I was the first person to say it. Credit to me. The very first person that didn't, to not believe in that guy. I don't believe in him now. They'll get bounced by the Titans. I actually originally had the Titans in this game. But listening to you guys talk about my Jacksonville Jaguash, I think they're <laughs> going to win this. I think they're going to win the division. So, yeah, give me the Jags all the way. Jacksonville Jaguash. I can't even remember who I picked in this game. I think I took Jacksonville. You did. You did. You can change it if you want. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll stay with them. Uh, I don't think either one I'm really good. But I think that, that, you know, most of the time comes down to who's a better quarterback. Lawrence is better than, than what Tennessee's running out there. All right. All right. We're moving on to Falcons at Saints. No, New Orleans is favored by three points. Okay. And again, uh, the winner of this game is needs to win and hope that Tampa Bay loses. Correct. To win the division. Well, I think let me let me look this up. If the Saints win, I think they can still get in as a wild card team if the Bears and the Seahawks lose. Yeah, it would take a lot of help. Yes. yes. So they could they could still make it in as a nine and eight wild card team. But yeah, I like Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr in this game. Um I think he's an okay quarterback. Yeah, give me give me Derek Carr and the Saints. I think they're just a better team. I don't I, like the Falcons at all. Yeah, I think the Falcons – I listen, there's a couple teams I really beat down this year. Falcons are going to be number one. I think the Falcons are legitimately bad. They're bad. They don't have a quarterback. If you do not have a quarterback, uh, you're not going to win many football games. Great analysis by Elliot. Casey. That was good. Uh, they beat the Saints not that long ago. I want to say four or five weeks ago, 24-15. to 15. 
they did it with good defense and uh, some clutch interceptions here and there from one of our guys, Jesse Bates. So that reason alone, I think the Falcons finished the year eight and nine. I don't think they make it to the playoffs, but I think that uh, in my assessment that I said at the beginning of this year that they were my Lions team of last year kind of comes true this year. Watch out for the Falcons next year when they get a quarterback. Where are they going to get that? I don't know. Somewhere. Maybe they get Kirk Cousins. Wouldn't that be something? It would? Yeah. Could you imagine Kirk Cousins in that offense? With a stellar run game, and they've got big dudes like Kyle Pitts and Drake London to throw to? I like that a lot. Well, speaking of big dudes, if somehow, someway, the Falcons get in, you know who we're having on next week. Big Low. Big Low. We went through the whole year without the old man. (laughs) Bums me out. I'm going with the, uh, the Saints as well. They're really good at home most of the time. Must win. They're going to win that game. Okay. Moving on. Packers or Bears at Packers. Green Bay is favored by three points. Uh, I am going to go with a fighting uh, Justin Fields here. They're playing very, very good football right now. I think they're going to go in and beat the Pack. They beat them the last time they played them. Now this time it's in Green Bay. Big game. Uh, and through the years, the Pack has owned the Bears. But Chicago's playing good right now. I think that the Chicago Bears, if they stick with Justin Fields and don't draft Caleb Williams, it'll be a major mistake. And it's the kind of mistake that the Chicago Bears make. They're playing just good enough football. Justin Fields is playing just well enough to stick around. All that being said, I still think Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers are getting it done because like the Steelers and always beating the Bengals, the Packers always beat the Bears. So I'm taking Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers because Jordan Love's going to get paid he's gonna get 40 million dollars a year this and again season. a reminder pack wins pack in that's correct. right that's correct. right correct i think i'm gonna take packers as well i'm pretty sure that's what i had casey that's right so i'm going to take the packers and only for the reason that the chicago bears cannot win at lambeau field and that's plain and simple i don't care who's quarterbacking the team uh, i don't care who's on the field for the packers they just beat the bears when they're at home okay Boys, I'm color. I'm just looking at huh? this Bears schedule the last couple. Uh, actually, since down. since they made that trade for uh, Burns, I believe, um, it has been night and day. I mean, they they are a completely different team on defense. Um, winning the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I just lost my spot. It's like five out of two. They're five and two in the last seven weeks. That's really good. This is a completely different team. They're able to get to the quarterback, get pressure on quarterbacks, which is a complete turnaround for this team. I'm going to go with the Bears. I don't think it's going to be because of Justin Fields, though. I think it's going to be because they're going to make Jordan Love uncomfortable and they're going to get it done. Okay. All right. That's a big game. And and, and a great one to have for a winner-take-all, at least as far as Green Bay is concerned, because of the rivalry. we got a couple of other big ones left. Really big ones. Yep. Bills at Dolphins. I mean, this is unbelievable. And Reed explained it earlier about uh, the possibility the Bills could get the number two seed in the playoffs, be division champs with a win, uh, a loss, and a couple of other things happen. They could be out of the playoffs, which is hard to believe as well as they're playing right right now. Uh, So, please, Reed, lead us off. Uh, I think the Buffalo Bills are much better than the, the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are coming off a very, very emotional two weeks riding the highs of beating the Dallas Cowboys, then riding the lows of getting bludgeoned by the Baltimore Ravens. I Yeah, I just 
I just think the the Buffalo Bills are a better team. I think they're going to get that two seed. I think the Buffalo Bills, um, I mean, the, they got the third best odds to win the Super Bowl, Tom. So, uh, yeah, give me the Bills. I was going to take the Bills. I'm going to bet on the Bills. Uh, I'm going to put a large amount of money, Tom, on the Bills. Saying that, I'm going to pick the Dolphins here. I had a take earlier in the week that I said the Bills would miss the playoffs and then proceeded to call them a top three team. So I think they're very good, and I'm going to bet on them. But for the sake of this show, I have to ride with my take. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins to knock out the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Well, I have to agree with Reed. I think this team is very – I don't know if they're a top three team, but I think they're very good. I think they're starting to realize that they can be a versatile team. They can run the ball with James Cook. Mm -hmm. They can throw all over the place with Josh Allen. And also Josh Allen can run the ball himself as well. And they just dominate the Dolphins. Like I said, when we previewed this matchup, they are 9-1 and one, or like 10-1 and one in the last 11 games versus the Miami Dolphins. They're just hard, hard to beat for Miami. So that being said, taking my, I'm taking the Bills. Yes, before we get to Tom's pick, yesterday, on, on yesterday's show, both Elliot and Trace said that the Bills will not make the postseason. And then five minutes later, we started a new segment where we gave our power <laughs> rankings. And both of them had the Bills as the third best team in the NFL. It was a crazy five-minute stretch. I think they are. All right. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Miami. You're going with Miami? I am. Come on, Tom. It's You're the, the one that says the, the teal color jerseys. The, the, the teal you can pull off when it's sunny. You can't pull off when it's snowing. And, and last time I checked, I don't think it's going to snow in South Florida this weekend. That's fair. All right. That's fair. Moving on to Texas Texans Okay. at Indianapolis versus the Colts. Houston's favored by one and a half points. And again, if the Texans win, they are division champs. They can still get in the playoffs if they lose. The Colts could be division champs if they win and Jacksonville loses. Correct. I'm gonna Correct. Take, I'm, gonna right. I'm gonna take the fighting Texans. The fighting CJ Stroud. The fighting CJ Stroud. All right. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the Indianapolis Colts. They're at home. Um, one and a half seems like a good line. Um, I think Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than CJ Stroud. Give me, give me the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's come that's on. Preposterous. Come on. That's preposterous. <laughs> uh, I'm taking C.J. Stroud and Houston yeah, Texans. Yeah, baby. I think that they get it done. They make it into the playoffs. They win this game they're in. They remind me so much of the Bengals currently, of uh, the 2021 season where they had a stellar offense, an underrated defense, and a quarterback that was just lights out. Yeah, I'm all about C.J. Stroud right now and this Houston Texans team taking them. All right, I'm, fight I'm taking the fight in C.J. Strouds as well. Division champs. What a turnaround. Really, what a turnaround. We have more time to talk about that ne next week if they win. If they win. New coach, new quarterback, had two of the top three picks in the NFL draft. It's been an unbelievable turnaround attack for the Texans. Is that okay. it? No, oh, we, we got three Gallup. more. Or we got two more, I'm sorry. Two more. I mean, we got to get the chat ranking. So let's oh, yeah, we these. do. <laughs> let's blow through these real quick. Steelers v. Ravens. Uh, Ravens aren't playing anybody in this game. Um, they still have a fighting chance to get in the playoffs for uh, the Steelers. Not going to be easy. I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the men of aluminum in this game because the Ravens aren't playing anybody. All right, that's fair enough. Listen, I am going to take the Baltimore Ravens because they got a better roster. I know they're not playing for a whole lot, but listen, the uh, the Steelers are nine and seven. Mike Tomlin, there's nothing he loves more in this world than going nine and eight, 
for that reason, they'll lose and go 9-8. and eight. That's fair. Uh, the better roster argument, unfortunately, doesn't apply here because they will cert- most certainly not have the better roster on that field. I will take, I will take the Batlin Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I am also taking the battle in Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Minnow Lumen get it done with a backup quarterback, pretty much a backup team. So, yeah. Okay. Last one, the Bengalis. Last one's the Bengalis. Last one, the Bengalis, who they aren't playing. You know, they're playing their horses, um, including Jake Browning. So, that's at some point, six and a half's a lot, but the Browns aren't playing anybody. Uh, I'm taking the, uh, the home team. Finish the year. Nine and eight. You're going to root, root, root for the home team. Indeed. This is going to be Tyler Boyd's senior day. This is going to be T. Higgins' senior day. Possibly Joe Mixon and Jonah Williams' senior day. And a lot of senior days. And? But it's also for a state championship. Well, it's who else's senior day is it? Who's else's senior day is it? DJ. Drew. Drew Sample's coming back. Drew Sample's coming back for the fifth <laughs> Oh, year. come on. He's absolutely right. coming back. Give me the, the, give me the, <laughs> the Bengals tying a state championship. Bengals by 3,000. Wow. Man, Casey, I, I know where you're going. I'm, I'm taking the Bengals. I would never pick anyone else, Tom. Uh, what a year! What a year of picks, and uh, what a what a fun time of of Bengals football it was. Um, yeah, it was it was a good season of football, Tom. Wasn't that good? <laughs> All right, wasn't that good? Okay, uh, we have chat rankings today, and and, and it's oh, been boy. asked in the chat where would I if I, it was my pick. Where would Everett be? Everett would always be in the top three because I think Everett is well, a phenomenal member of our chat. I agree. Now, I love I'm, Everett, and I, I love Colton. I don't want him to think that just because I disagree with something they say that it doesn't mean I don't like him. Not at all. I made these before uh, the scolding. So I, if scolding? If you wasn't like, a scolding. Well, it wasn't a scolding. No, no. Some are going to take it that way. It wasn't a scolding. I just disagreed. With with, okay. with us even getting anywhere near the bra- blame the Bryant Bryant blame Brian Kelly for a young man okay. dying. Well, I think that's just going too it's little, far. It's a little too far. It's okay. So here's I'm the saying. So here's the deal. If if Tom wants to revoke any of these, he has the power to do so. No, but I don't. We'll start with boom. We'll start with honorable mentions. Michael Ackley, Roger, Rick, Swaggy. Shout out to all you guys. Honorable mention. Boom. Second batch of honorable mention. Chi-Town, CJ, Blackmore, Alex. Boom. Third, <laughs> third group of honorable mentions. Chase, Noah, Colton, RM. Boom. Wow. Fourth batch of honorable Was mentions. Is that a picture of you and Taylor Swift? That is. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Yash, Mo, Zachary, AJ, honorable mentions. Good Boom. Picture. All right, now we get to the top 10. He's had a great week. This is my guy. And he also once got scolded by Tom, not scolded, disagreed with loudly. He, get, we, he had this argument a long time ago, but they have since become friends. Yes, we have. Justin and Tom. Justin, number 10 on this week's chat power rankings. Number nine. We have Haro. I don't know what picture you want me to use for you going forward, Haro. I just pick a random picture. If you would like to send me what you, Haro, I, whatever you want me to send you, or as the uh, chat power ranking for your picture, go ahead and send that to me. But anyway, he's a legend. He always watches our chats on box lunch when we do the video game things. He's very supportive. This is my guy, Haro. You can download their profile pictures on the YouTube thing. Yeah, but I don't. He always changes it, so it's it's just whatever he wants. Number eight, Brian. This is my guy, Brian B. He was gone for six months. He's all the way back now. He's all the way back. This is my guy. He will die for me. He will fight for me. I will die for him. I will fight for him. 
Brian, number eight. Number seven, we have Randy. Randy is the biggest tweeter we have. He tweets at all of us. Solid. He misspells a lot of our names, but that's okay, Randy. That's okay. You mistype sometimes. Love you. Love you, Randy. Number six, Andrew Dunn. Andrew Dunn had a great chat today. I told him I'd put him on. He's going to be on. Andrew, number six. Has he even been in the chat today? Yes, he's been on. He's a he's a loyal member. He's a he's a. He's, I haven't seen a, him all day long. Go yes, ahead. Yes, he's been in there. All right. Number five, the Michigan man himself, Drew Garrison. Ooh, we got a big box. Drew Garrison, number five on this week's top five chat power rankings. Number four, Mouse Cop. Mouse Cop again. He was my number one forever. He is slowly coming back. He might be number one by next week. He was out of the rankings for a while. He doesn't like when I make fun of Xavier. But the thing is, Tom, I love Xavier. I love Quincy Oliveri. I'm Quincy Oliveri's biggest fan. Some would say I should make a Twitter account called Quincy Oliveri Fan Club. I think people would really like me on Twitter. So there we go. Quincy Oliveri, number four. Uh, number three, this week's top three in the chat power rankings. We have Molly. I love Molly. Tom thinks Molly's fake. Molly's a very real person. I, meet, I met her over here at Pumpkin World. Pumpkin World was a very fun time. I loved it. I love Molly. Molly, Operation you're Pumpkin. Pumpkin. Pumpkin City. All right. Uh, number two. Number two this week. Again, he's the king of the chat. He's Mark Fetters. Superstar. Uh, this is a superstar. Superstar Mark. This is superstar Mark Fetters, according to fake person Sean Connor. Um, but here's the deal. Mark, you're a warrior. You're a legend. And this week, I, honest to God, before that whole kerfuffle happened, I was going to have you at number two because I really think this guy deserved the number one spot. And, and if Tom wants to revoke it, he can, because the number one chatter this week is Everett Henry. Let's go, Everett. Job, Everett. Let's go, Everett. He respects I Brian. Love Everett. He respects Brian Kelly and all his all his doings. Uh, I love Everett. Number one this week. You have earned it, Everett. Let's go, baby. I love Everett. And please, before we get away for the weekend, can we please remember that Everett is one of my guys, and Colton is too. I love you guys. We can agree to disagree. Is there anything else before we leave? We have the, the a box fun. lunch coming up. Well, it's funny you say box lunch because we got this big Amazon box right here. Listen, Tom. Is that a new cable system of some kind? It or? is not. It is, my, it, is my, it is my Christmas <laughs> present to both uh, Casey and Ellie. Ooh. I got them Christmas. I got Casey and you guys all Christmas presents last year. I, I didn't order this till too late, but it is still a Christmas present, and I want Elliot to open it up live on the show. So I want you to open up this big box. This okay. is... A belated Christmas present to you. Okay. Take, take, put that on your lap and. Do you have a? Uh... Nope, you're gonna have to figure it out. That's that's part of the fun. Okay, it's part of the fun. Here, we'll put this down. Hold on. This is my Christmas present to you. I think you're gonna love it. Get my keys. Here Ooh, we go. what's it gonna be? Open it up. There's a five percent chance that Elliot knows what this is just by looking at it. It's a big box. It is a big box. It's a big box. Was but part of the joke that I have to I was going to say, yes. somebody could have helped you out in that. Nope, nope, that was part of it. What, what is it? Show the, show the chat. What the hell is that? Open it up. I still don't know what it is. Get it out of there. Come on. I, what do you want me to do? You gave me, you gave me a box with tape on it. You <laughs> this this is embarrassing. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> you don't want your present. <laughs> Just rip the box, Elliot. What do Come you think on. I'm trying to do? <laughs> I'm trying to open the. It's open. It's open. What the hell is this? Is this a toilet? It is a squatty potty. I got one of those last year. Tom, 
life life changing, is it? I'm not? telling you now. I don't. I don't keep. I don't have ours still around. I have to say, but I do have. It was a gift given by a friend of mine to five other guys that we hang out with. Two of them say this is the greatest invention ever made. So. Yes, I have given this present. We're not out. going to give this a lot of detail. Well, it's a stool that you use when you use the restroom. That's right. Because uh, humans are supposed to be in a squatting position. That's when they right. Use the restroom. That's right. And I'm telling you right now, it'll change your life, Elliot. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Okay, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Squatty potty. Squatty potty. There Perfect we go. Christmas. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I hope okay. you didn't pay too much for that. And uh, <laughs> box lunch, Casey, you're the host today. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really hosting anything special. I just usually give a little quick rundown of my thoughts on the week and then roll right into our Quiplash game. So Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All of you, we thank you so much. Gentlemen, thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your weekend. Everett, Colton, you're my guys. <laughs> We're all good. We're all good. Everybody have a great weekend. Be careful. And box lunch. Here we go. Here we go.